0: Hey guys, Dave Fenton here with another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. Um, Yeah, this week's episode is all about REM's automatic for the people. Uh, Now, I need to give you guys a little bit of fair warning on this one. We go into some fairly dark topics, into some fairly uh deep subject matter here things got a little bit emotional for both of us during this podcast uh there are fewer dick jokes and uh, bits and pieces than there normally are it's not quite the same tone as a lot of our podcasts but I I'm pretty proud of this one you know people say that men don't talk about their emotions well here is a man from Belfast and a man from Luton a, a very working class man from Luton doing exactly that so um you know just just to let you know we, we deal with some dark subjects we talk about death we talk about you know infant death specifically yeah some pretty dark shit in this podcast but it all comes from a a real place in an organic place and to not have those conversations i think would have dumbed down what we're doing but i want to give you guys a fair warning on that in case you're on your way into work or you've got some personal experience with those subjects and that they could send you Down the wrong way, Um, which is, you know, it's fair warning. But as I say, I hope you do listen to it. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, If that doesn't sound like your cup of tea, we will be back next week or next couple of weeks with Prince. We're hoping to be on a more regular schedule now. And I'm fairly sure, having listened to the Prince record, that there's going to be a lot of dick jokes and shit like that in that one so don't worry too much normal service will be retired but for the meantime i hope you enjoy this episode on rems automatic for the people uh we certainly had a uh, a really rewarding conversation and i hope you guys get something from us please let us know on social media if you do uh putting yourself out there like this it's good to get a little bit of feedback so if you get something out of this let us know uh, and tell a friend all right well you take care guys we'll see you soon bye <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. I'm Dave Fensom. I am Chris DeGreer. He is Waffles the Dog and he can't talk. So, uh,
1: welcome, 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 motherfuckers. Uh, Yeah, first one for us recording in a little while. Yeah, indeed. And uh, we did the last one, what was it, nearly a month ago now, maybe? Something Something like like that. that. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but we've, we've uh, started releasing again. We've started releasing. I'm releasing all over the place. Releasing. Uh, and yeah, so we are back kind of into the swing of things, but it's nice to get back and do a new recording. Yeah, man. This is my first recording as a dad. Yeah. So, yeah. Papa Fentsom.
0: Fuck me. Who would have thunk it? But yeah, so I've operating on very little sleep, basically, is the, uh, the, <laughs> right, the, sure. the
1: caveat of this podcast. Uh-huh. And and in the same way that I'm sure all of your comedy is now going to be just about having a baby and being a dad. Yeah. Every, but it music you listen to will now be like well as a father yeah yeah, oh, yeah, of, course. yeah. Oh, sure. uh, of course good of well course. we'll get that uh, the, the new new views from you oh uh,
0: yeah i mean absolutely i'm gonna become as anodyne and fucking boring <laughs> as possible i'm gonna have a sudden new insight into women's issues uh, uh-huh. and i'll be starting all my comments as you say well as a father i'll <laughs> yeah. be uh, I, I i now think that stripping is bad <laughs>
1: <laughs> and, and uh, i would say that you might be more inclined to do terrible dad jokes but that's not going to change. I mean, that's not really. No. I mean, we've, got that, we've had that, that, that shit covered for a while. That's pretty much set. Definitely. Cool. All right, so look, this week's album mm. is
0: uh, REM's
1: Automatic for the People. Yeah, man. So this was uh, number one in the from the 4th of October 1992. Yep. And it was only number one for one week in the UK, but mm-hmm. it was a huge album. It was one of yes, those ones was. that was everywhere and stayed around and everyone had or had heard. Indeed. You know, because they were at the peak absolutely point.
0: now just a quick little uh so i mentioned this is the second uh number one album we've had from rem yeah uh we covered uh out uh, of time out of that time was it uh 91 wasn't it yes back yeah. in 1991 so uh we're gonna try our best not to repeat ourselves too much indeed on those so if you haven't listened to that podcast it might be worth uh before you listen to this one popping back checking that out if you want a bit of a primer, a bit, yeah, bit, bit sure. more background on some of our thoughts on uh rem in general yeah we'll keep
1: this one specific to this yeah, album yeah. i mean spoilers me. we
0: fucking loved it
1: yeah yeah i mean it was it was one where we gushed over the album and then it also made it into our top 10 of the year thing yeah. so we gushed a little bit more in that episode exactly but yeah it, it's it's definitely uh it, it made a big impression on both of us for the time. sure for sure yeah.
0: okay let, let's do a little bit
1: about background right. on this album so this album comes out in 1992 yes it was uh their eighth studio album Sure. so it was you know a long way into their career but it was only really out of time that had made them stratospheric and so this is yeah. this is R.A.M. being one of the biggest bands in the world exactly they would kind of crested that wave and this is them staying there mm-hmm. the, you know you can obviously see in their later albums, they're starting on a downward slide. They're not as popular, they're not as confident or whatever. But this is them being the biggest band in the world.
0: Yeah, this is this is front page of Q magazine. Oh god. Yeah. All that kind of shit. Sure. Right? sure. So, where were you when this record came out? Is this a record that you were looking forward to, a record that you
1: bought? Absolutely, I was. Um, Obviously, we've said uh, that we were both fans of Out of Time at that time, so it wasn't like I was unaware there was an um, Mm Ariel coming out. I was uh, definitely a fan, and I was very, very interested to see what they were going to do and and hear what their new record was going to be like. And so when it came round, it was a big deal for me. Um, I bought the first single, Day of Release, one thing I didn't do, and that's because it was 1992 and you don't have as much money, as we've always said, I didn't buy the album. No. I. But because it was one of the biggest bands in the world, even the people in my school... Who you know the, the ones? Oh, I'm not, not really into music. I just like a bit of everything. Yeah, they had this album, yeah. and so I was able to get a tape of it off everyone that I wanted to. Exactly that. So exactly that, yeah. that's I, the way I, I went.
0: Very much the same thing. My next door neighbour James, who I've mentioned mm-hmm. uh, on this podcast before, he had this album day one, mm-hmm. which meant I had a tape of it day one.
1: Exactly. You know, I think it was. Uh, I think it was a girl Rebecca McKelvey, in my school. I was like, Bex, do you mind just doing me? You know, here's a cassette. Can you tape this yep. for me? Of course, no problem. Bam, next day.
0: Nice, nice, nice.
1: And so I uh, was into it straight away and listened to it over and over and over. As a 17-year-old, that kind of angsty phase, I have said on this podcast many times that I love a sad, miserable song about death and mortality and all this sort of stuff. And uh, going through this album, a lot of those songs tap into that.
0: Yeah, well, this album came came out
1: at kind of a transitional
0: stage for me. Mm -hmm. When this came out, I was deep in the midst of discovering, like, uh, American alternative rock.
1: Okay, yeah. You know, like, kind of,
0: you know, inspired by Nirvana, but then doing the, the kind of the anal ADHD thing of going right well this is the surface of this mm-hmm. what are the depths of it and this you know so I'm listening to at this time you know lots of Soundgarden lots uh-huh. of Jane's Addiction lots of Ministry lots of Primus Gotcha. you know those kind of bands Um, and as well as you know kind of still kind of discovering you know what was going on in metal at the time so I was just listening right. to kind of Slayer and Pantera and stuff like that but still banging to like U2's Acting Baby of course I was I was listening to a lot of Simple Minds at the time as oh, well so okay. I was kind of banging to to that more kind of adult sure. oriented rock but, but big well.
1: bombast uh, exactly J-O-R yeah pop. the
0: stuff that kind of had a bit of show to it as sure. well right. uh and so this kind of fitted more i guess into the latter section of that so well somewhere between the two really i certainly would have viewed it more as having more in common with you 2 and those type of things yeah. than nirvana at this time no, no, yeah. with some retrospect actually probably the other way
1: around. But, but the whole way it was marketed as well. Whenever you, sure. you saw it it, it, it is this is a band for grown-ups. Yeah. And it was. It was Q. It, fair enough, it was probably NME and Melody Maker as well, but it was Q and even just like broadsheet newspapers. Select. Yeah, definitely. It was all of those things.
0: But they, they, tro- they certainly were a band that trod that line of being, oh, hang on, is this music for my dad? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, not my dad. My dad wouldn't have given a shit. <laughs> but uh, if it was written after like, 1966, my dad Don't didn't care. give a shit. I mean, right. it, and if it was written before that, he doesn't really care that much either. Right. But this is an album that I have a very complicated relationship with.
1: Okay, so you had it at the time, obviously, as we've yes. said. Did you instantly listen to it over and over and over? Or did you listen to it and go, all right, fine, file that away?
0: Um, this is a record I listened to a lot. I listened to... I had a lot of music to listen to at the time, right? So this didn't get wasn't top of the pile. This didn't get my full attention, but the the singles and the things that I really liked on it, like Drive, particularly, Mm we'll get into, ah, killed the shit out of that, right? And I and I like this, and then but there's. You know, we'll get into why I have a complicated relationship with this record as we go. But Certainly, I was interested in this record when it came out, had it as it came out, um, and, you know, immediately
1: liked it. Excellent. Okay. Uh, Well, just a little bit more kind of statty stuff. Um, This was... Out of Time and then This were the very peak of their popularity. They would never be as popular as This again. Um, Out of Time uh, sold... Around about 18 million copies worldwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has also sold around about 18 million copies, but slightly less than out of time. Yeah. But only very, very slightly. And it still sold 18 million yeah. copies. So it's still fucking huge. Um, it is the 60th best-selling album of all time in the UK. Uh, just be- below Take That's Ultimate S- Collection.
0: Seven times platinum in the UK. Huge.
1: You know, Massive. And this is another thing. Like we said, it was only number one for a week, but it hung around forever. And there are six singles on this album, stretching yeah. over... A year and a half nearly and so it was never really far from the the top 20 probably sure you know it's always up there I
0: mean this was a popular album around the world but it was mm-hmm. particularly like the UK particularly embraced it
1: definitely yeah was, I mean the, the UK for some reason got REM yeah uh, well you can in- see why Well, yeah, of course. But it's strange as well when you think about it that this album is so focused on death and yearning and misery and woe, lots of topics like this. But it was such a huge album, you know? It is interesting to see that an album around those topics can make such an impact, a lasting impact, in a pop-saturated market.
0: Of course. Um, But, you know, I mean... You know, death is one of those uh, one well, of those things that we all fucking well, have to deal with. Yeah, you know, totally. uh, as you know, almost it's, it's like almost every like everybody hurts sometimes.
1: Well, quite. Yeah. yeah, imagine. Uh it, it was the album was nominated for Album of the Year at the 1994 Grammys, but it sadly lost to Whitney Houston's The Bodyguard soundtrack. Yeah, which I'm sure is uh, you know, everyone still talks about that with yeah, the rever- a, lo- reverence. a lot of people. I
0: mean, I mean I I, I that album did that album was fucking enormous. Of course it was.
1: Off the back of the one single realistically, but it was huge. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, is it... and the classic movie. Of <laughs> course. Wait, have you seen it? I've not seen oh, it. I've seen it. Have yeah. you? Oh, right, no, not it's, fast. It's it's fine. It looks
0: terrible. It's one of those films that really looks like it was made in the early
1: nineties. I mean, it's presumably got a little bit of white saviour to it, and it's a man saving a woman from things she can't protect herself against. So yeah, it's I mean, all, sorts all, of all of we're to say,
0: Kevin Costner, is where were you around that bath? The bath. The bath that Whitney Houston died in.
1: Oh, see, oh god, we <laughs> don't want you seen in the film. No, no, all right. no, no.
0: Literally just playing on bad taste. Fair play. Uh, just for the, for the record. Whitney Houston's death is a fucking tragedy. It makes me fucking cry. Right. But uh, I'm not above making shitty jokes about it. Totally. There we go. Uh, And that is
1: the beauty of being an adult. (laughs) Quite. (laughs) Yeah, you can separate these things. Right, I don't think I've really got anything else that we we can't just incorporate into the rest of it. The time period we're looking at is about three weeks because Belinda Carlisle's Greatest Hits and Abba Gold were number one for two weeks before this. So since the Mike Oldfield, we've had a couple of Greatest Hits compilations, and then we have this one.
0: Okay, so... Okay, let's start as we always well whether mm-hmm. we start or not. Let, let's it's, start as we always do yes. with looking at the album cover.
1: Right. So I have I have a copy of the CD here, and we again it's iconic because it is a huge selling album to yes. me. It's I, a it's, it's a kind of it's
0: kind of a fairly brutal concrete uh, objet d'art, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, some weird obelisk. It's some. I, obelisk. It, it's some it, it was a sign in Miami outside an old motel or something indeed. wasn't it, it was, yeah
1: it was on the roof of a motel that was near where one of the studios where they were recording this album yeah. and Michael Stipe liked just like the look of it yeah. and took the photo and now that's and it was all and that it, it
0: was pinned up on the walls of the re, uh, of the rehearsal studio mm-hmm. because the album for a long time was going to be called Star indeed yes uh, and obviously this is a star now i've got a problem with this album cover in some ways right Go for it. yep. it, because if you look at the album it's a brutal cold kind of yeah. you know I look at that and I go oh that's a Kraftwerk album cover okay for
1: okay sure right, yeah it's got All that tecker. kind of
0: yeah it's got that kind of krautrocky kind of right. co- coldness to it and this is not a cold album it's an album no. it's an album that delivers delivers a lot of warmth into some very very cold subjects absolutely and for that reason I've never thought this was a good cover for this album
1: fair enough Fair enough. I mean, to me it doesn't say anything it doesn't say anything to me at all it is an image and that's yeah. all i get from it obviously because i have such a, a a relationship with the album i'm like oh yeah this works for that i recognize it but it means nothing to me
0: i've always loved the album title though i think have uh, you? automatic for the people is just a really good collection of words
1: i think whenever it first came out i thought it was quite clunky right um because I didn't know what it was about, obviously, you know, from reading up and just time seeping in, uh, I've heard that it is the slogan of a soul food restaurant that the band really liked in Athens, Georgia. Yeah. And the guy would always say "automatic" whenever he gave the food out, and the slogan was "automatic" for the people. So it's nice like that. I I like that they have referenced a thing from their lives. Yeah. Um, I never got it as a phrase as an album. So, you
0: know. No, but I kind of I, I, that's something I, I I like something that kind of uh, hints at being meaningful, yeah, but is a little bit oblique. Okay, I, I always I enjoy that. I enjoy stuff where you can kind of. M- read your own meanings into it. and well, that's R-E-M
1: all over, isn't it? Well, exactly. Stakes lyrics, everywhere. And it's,
0: you know, it's enough of a starting point that, you know, it's almost like when you're a kid and you do those exercises where someone gives you four words and you have to create a story. Right, sure. I kind of... I've always okay. liked that stuff. And I think automatic for the people. Automatic... Automatic mm. for the people, you know. It's okay. it, the, the way that it scans. So you the, to it. Yeah, it's just got a nice rhythmic energy to it. Fair what enough. What a cunt I am for saying those <laughs> words. But anyway, but
1: it, again, it does nothing for me. But because it's a huge album, I'm like, oh yeah, automatic for the people. Yeah, okay. of course. I would never imagine it being called anything better than that. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't resonate with me at all.
0: Okay. Well, let's do the first track. Right. First so track into is it. Drive. Which yeah. is also the first Single. One of six singles.
1: One of six singles. This Which,
0: is the Were there one. six in the UK? Because I, I Wikipedia'd yeah. this. And they all got UK released, did they?
1: They all got UK released. The last one only got to number 54. <laughs> so, you know, what, whatever. But, yeah, that's half the tracks on here being released as singles. It's, it's Michael Jackson levels of single release. Absolutely. Uh, right, but, yes, so track one, Drive. Um And this came out just before the album. Like, the week before, whatever it was. It was released... Uh, to kind of a big. Uh, not not Ferrari, that's the wrong word, but people were really keen to hear this.
0: Smash, push, around, Tie another one to
1: the racks, baby. I seem to remember seeing the video for this before hearing it on the radio. I'm not sure if that, that's me retrospectively putting things in a different order, but I just remember the video so well. I mean, I remember the, the video first time I well. saw it, I was like, like fucking hell. Yeah. W- it
0: was like something like, it was one of those things that I kind of almost remember it, was it like, one of those things where it was on channel four, like, and it now here's a single the uh, but, video yeah. from
1: R.E.M. If it wasn't that they had, sp- you know, at five to ten they were going to play it, it was that oh, this week the word is going to play it. You exactly. Know, that sort of yeah. Shit, yeah. I,
0: I remember there being a thing to it. Anyway, the song itself. Oh, my God. The song itself. I mean, look, this is, I mean, you can't talk about this song without using the word melancholic. For sure. And that's almost, I think we've almost got to sin bin that word for the rest I, of this podcast. I know, podcast. there's a lot,
1: you, you could just go, oh, well, there's a lot of melancholy
0: here. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. it is. But it, i tell you what it also is. It's sparse and it's heavy as fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, despite the fact that you don't get an electric guitar until a good chunk of the way through the song. Sure. It's got these acoustic drives, but the strums are so heavy. And its it was just one of those things at the time because I was listening to a lot of heavy music. Uh And I think even at the time, I appreciated that this was... This had an emotional weight to it that all of the fucking thrashing at a guitar in the world couldn't
1: equal. Right. Uh,
0: And again, I mean, its it's... You kind of almost have to use the word driving to describe <laughs> the song as well. Which is, uh, you
1: know... Like, Presumably on, on purpose as well, though.
0: But then you've got the strings that start cu- coming through and under it, right? Yeah. Uh, produced by John Paul Jones.
1: Absolutely. Of uh, Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Did
0: four or five tracks on four this. Four tracks
1: on this one, yeah. Yeah.
0: And now, the strings on this, they re- they're they really, really reminiscent of Duran Duran's Save a Prayer.
1: Oh, Okay. I'm not. But I mean, you are a big Duran Duran yeah. fan, so you know that there's stuff more more than I do. But now you said it, I can hear it in my head. Yeah, I mean, okay. it's, they're they're yeah. really
0: really close in parts. Yeah, uh, like, I mean, in feeling, I mean, I you know, I don't know if you start breaking it down to notes, it probably completely <laughs> no, different. No, but, but but
1: in terms of the, the tone and the yeah right. Oh, interesting. OK. And, you know, but so they, they serve the song so well, the strings.
0: Absolutely. And then you've got, you know, you've got Michael stripe is barely singing on this song. It's yeah. kind of it's kind of, you know, I don't decipher the lyrics of this song particularly well
1: at all. Some some make sense to me. Some, I think, are he's putting them in because it fits the song mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily mean that much. There's some bits I'm like, yeah, uh, it's about speaking to the, the youth. And uh, don't let pe- people push you around. Don't tell- let people tell you what to do. Don't let the politicians dictate your lives. That sort of stuff.
0: And, you know, I just remember hearing a song and going, this song, I don't understand why, but it makes me feel sad and it makes me feel a bit angry. Right, okay. Yeah. And, you know, that that when I listen to it again now, th- this song, it, it's still perfect. It's one of my favourite REM songs. Oh,
1: it, it, absolutely. And think about this as the balls on the band to release this as single number one. Mm -hmm. You know, to go, right, we are big enough we can dictate what we want to do. Uh, The record company can't say we need a big radio-friendly hit, we need another shiny happy people or whatever. Mm -hmm. They go, now fuck off, here you go, here's a really quiet uh, four and a half minute song that doesn't really get going at all and... Starts off with a minute worth of just guitar and vocals. Like this, this yeah, and yeah. And no, and yeah.
0: No kind of no big vocal melody in it. Uh-huh. No kind of no real hook to the chorus. Absolutely,
1: yeah. In in an album where there are songs that there are that, that is the case, they were able to push for this to be number uh, the first single, and I have nothing but respect for them for doing that. Yeah, for That's sure. Absolutely brilliant.
0: You know, as good an opening track as I think it's possible to sure. have on a record. Oh, yeah.
1: It's absolutely ideal for this. Um, it sets a mood and it shows what the band have decided. Here you go. This is what we're, we're doing at the minute. Get on board. Yeah. This is hauntingly beautiful. <laughs>
0: Get on board, we're going for a drive.
1: <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, and also, there's some various articles saying that it was a pointed pointedly thing that they did with this album that they had the opportunity to try and, you know, go grunge, in inverted commas, yeah. because that was the predominant thing, of the, the, the cool thing to do. And they almost went the other way. They stripped a lot of stuff back down, yeah. and didn't rock that out. That wasn't
0: always the intent though, was it? If you read I mean no. just read they went into the studio I think intending to go heavier.
1: Yes, they did. And didn't. No, they didn't. They or they tried to write some that were a bit more rocky, mm-hmm. a bit more uh, up or whatever and just discarded them because that was not what they wanted to do at this That's point. That's not where they were. No. Stipe has said that the, the the themes of death and mortality and you know yearning for times gone past this sort of thing the band had only just turned 30 it's not yeah. like they were old men going oh fuck wasn't our youth brilliant they'd just turned 30 i mean michael stoke looked like he'd just turned 50 he's never been a young man has, he? Not, has he no exactly he's an old man in a young man's body at this point but because those were the themes you couldn't do a fucking poppy album or a Uh, an album full of Man on the Moons and talk about death for 12 songs No, absolutely
0: do you know actually I don't know if you've heard this but apparently the band were offered um, a large sum of money by the record company to get rid of the singer at the end of the last record oh yeah yeah they turned down that stipend though oh did
1: they yeah right good good that's nice hmm (laughs) wah 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 Fuck it out! Shit, joke <laughs> of the week. <laughs> I tell you what, though, I, I've
0: seen over there. I'm just looking. You've got the seven-inch single out. Yeah, that is a fucking dreadful seven-inch cover. They should sack I, their graphic designer. It is. It's it's pish. That's a great fucking picture that someone has put the worst fucking font drive. Drive. Over. Yeah, uh, drivel. That should say <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Yeah, terrible. Know, seven this is, is my. I don't service. have ever seen that cover before.
1: All oh, right. Well, um, I bought that. On day release. Day release. Yeah, so that's that's, that's my copy of that one.
0: When you got out of prison and bought that.
1: Yes, absolutely. It was worth it. Wonderful. Okay, so let's do track two. Uh, Unless you've got anything to add. sorry. Let's man. have a look. Just a little bit on kind of what the band have said this is about. Uh, Mike Mills has said in the past that this song is about telling kids to take charge of their own lives, among other things. And Peter Buck says that there are political themes in there, like there's the phrase bushwhacked, yeah. which is not a mistake. That is a deliberate dig at the Bush administration. Yeah, absolutely. And apparently Stipe had previously, he'd taken out press ads in 1988 in various uh, newspapers and music publications saying, don't get bushwhacked, get out and vote. You know. Yeah. And the band were very much in behind the, the Rock the Vote campaign trying to get young kids out to make a difference and vote in the elections. We said in Out of Time that they had an insert in their uh, album sleeve. Yeah. That was a tear-out thing you could mail off to register to vote. They were very, very much behind that campaign. Yeah. And so there is an underlying thing in this song about just fucking don't take this lying down. Yeah. You know, don't, uh, don't accept that this is the way it always has to be. I mean, he
0: must be having a fucking lovely time at the minute. My God. Can you imagine? Fucking
1: hell. Uh, but yeah, there was the, the thing recently where uh, Michael Stipe and R.E.M. were... They, they had to write a public letter or a public tweet or whatever to the Trump campaign to say, stop using our music on, yeah. at your rallies, because apparently they were playing playing Losing My Religion and Everybody Hurts, which doesn't sound like a good rally song. It's not exactly no. Chumbawamba, but for whatever reason, those were being played and REM were like, fuck off, mate, do not use our music. Yeah. In the same way that so many other artists have done. Of
0: course, but I mean, fucking hell, yeah. I mean, I mean, they just don't give a shit, do they? Oh, no,
1: couldn't, couldn't care less. Um, but we mentioned the video very briefly and I think it's worth talking about some of the videos on this the video for this one if you haven't seen it is a black and white uh just this, this this sea of people and the ba- uh, Michael Stipe is being crowd surfed across them so yeah. realistically there's sort of f- flashing lights all you can really see is the, the arms in the air and Stipe being pushed along from person to person mm-hmm. and w- sort of riding this sea of crowd surfing and it is Gorgeous. It's absolutely beautifully done and fits the... the Was
0: was that an Anton Corbyn
1: video? No, it was a guy called Peter Care, or Carrie, um, who'd done quite a few things with the band. He did Radio Song from the previous album, and he also did Man of the Moon and a few other singles in the future, as well as their concert film, Road Movie. So they've got a relationship with him, and so he... Uh, is, is sure. there one of choice no, the
0: only reason i asked that is because i knew that anton corbin did some of the interior photography for the album sleeve
1: oh i see yeah. right <laughs> all uh, the band I, photos in the album cover anton is that? Corbin, all right so, yeah. and it, it does look like it could be one of his videos yeah. it is you know it's, it's enough of a piece of art that it could be that yeah it's a great video as well I, I think
0: probably one of my favorite videos of all time
1: wow I, oh, you know, like, like, gen- yeah like, wow. definitely top 10 it's gorgeous, and it works so well with the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this is
0: a golden era of music videos. Oh as well. my god, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, right. But it's for, terrific, absolutely brilliant song. Love it to bits. Yeah, incredible. Sets the tone well, and makes me want more of what this is going to be for real. Right, yeah, absolutely. Cool. Okay,
0: so track number two is called "Try Not to
1: Breathe." Okay. <laughs> Try not to breathe I can hold my head still with my hands Nice little 3-4 waltzy beat
0: there. Yeah, it's kind of got that, you know, it's got, again, all these kind of Americana folky mm -hmm. elements. Yeah, yeah. You know, kind of captures, you know, kind of that alternative country sound Mm -hmm. to a degree. I mean, you know, this is is a song about his grandmother's funeral, his grandmother dying.
1: Yes, yeah, indeed. Well, I've read that, and I've also read that it's just about An old person, you know, not not necessarily somebody in particular, but I have also read it's about the time his grand was dying because his grand and his grandfather were dying around this time, Mm -hmm. which is why one of the reasons he wanted to write all these sad songs Uh about death. But yeah, I've heard that too.
0: Yeah, but this song kind of almost it it kind of effortlessly delivers the kind of emotional punch that, like, honestly, I think if that Mumford and (laughs) Sons I think think they're delivering. (laughs) But if they ever accidentally wrote a song this good, they would prolapse and die immediately. <laughs> so let's hope they do. Fucking out. They just would, wouldn't they? It'd just just be like. Um, oh, my intestines come out of my anus! <laughs> it's out of my anus! Eamon? Eamon! One of them must be called Eamon. I don't Nobody know. I know. Well, they're all fucking Tarquin. They're all fucking posh kids, aren't they? Yes. I fucking hate them on Sons. I
1: really hate them. I see, I I have nothing against them. I've only heard probably three songs. And that's why you've got nothing against oh, them. Ah, exactly right. Yeah, true. Um, but this is, for me, this is one of my favourite songs. Definitely of the 90s and probably all time. I wow. think this is incredible in terms of the melody and the way it sounds it it has that quality that i'm like fuck this hits me you know mm-hmm. in the soul but then lyrically my
0: god i mean look, this, the all of the metal melodies on this are incredibly simple mm-hmm. everything really all are. the individual parts of this are incredibly simple but they're put together and crafted in such a way that it utterly
1: transcends it is, the the sum of its It yeah. is absolutely gorgeous yeah. and
0: heartbreaking.
1: This is, I mean, this is for me, from the not necessarily sadness of drive, the sad yeah. feel of it, but this goes directly into fuck. Right, we're going to write a sad song yeah. because, like you said, right, this is about uh, a woman who is dying mm-hmm. and she's at death's door. She's on her last days. It's about how you, how this person wants to die of her own choice and with dignity and while her mind is still at least a little bit complimentous yes, rather mate. than slide into decline, decline and, and, and it just be a horrible drawn out nonsense. Yeah.
0: It's, a, it's kind of about, yeah, the, the fear of the obscenity of, slow decline isn't absolutely. it absolutely yeah. so
1: so the try not to breathe thing is about i want to be the person in charge of this i want this to do this my way i've lived my life my way i want my ending to be at my uh my, my choice so you know, whether whether that be euthanasia or uh just pull the plug or whatever it is um it's along those lines and lyrics such as this decision is mine i have lived a full life these are the eyes that i want you to remember you know, yeah. it's like, I don't want you to think of me as this husk who can't talk anymore and doesn't remember who anybody is and has mm-hmm. shit myself and this withered away thing. Um, I will try not to burden you. I can hold this inside. It's like, mm-hmm. fuck me. Look, man. God. Look, the,
0: truth be told, yeah. going into this album, Right, I've you know I've I've been putting this album off. Okay, and that's not normally the way I'd approach this album, right? Because I I know uh, again we'll get into bits and pieces about some more specifics later because they fit in better with. Uh-huh. But at the moment, I'm in this place where I am incredibly happy.
1: Happy you've been in so long time. Yeah, I'm
0: yeah. I, I'm incredibly happy. I'm upbeat. I'm just in this fucking euphorically good place. Yeah. Right, and. I knew that listening to this record <laughs> yeah. would make me have to face all of that stuff, <laughs> sure. which is normally a lot more in my wheelhouse. Oh, of uh, course. You know, and I found it, fucking hard yeah. like, like literally when i when i was doing my notes on this earlier mm-hmm. like jen was kind of making dinner downstairs and she would fed the baby she brought a baby upstairs she's like can you hold the baby you know and i just turned around and i just hadn't realized but i was crying right i was crying because i was fucking think, you know i was thinking about some of these things and you know mm-hmm. i mean i've got parents in in their 70s yeah you know and throughout this fucking covid trauma you know my dad's got copd as well right you know, I've been dealing with the fact that you know, if that goes his way, that might be the end of him. You yeah, know, of course. And you know, and, I, and I've you know, I think about this stuff all the time. I you know worry so because my you know my dad, I, you know, he would he's such a fucking proud mm-hmm. individual. Like any indignity would just just you know, like any kind of cognitive decline and yeah. and he, I, he and he's a he's very worried about it. He's constantly second guessing that it's occurring to him. Oh it's, right, yeah, and it isn't. Right, right. And, uh, you know, it's just he's just aging. He's Normally. Just stupid. Yeah, he's just thick as shit. <laughs> yeah. Look,
1: but, uh, he's, he's not. Fucking, I love Dave Starr. He's uh, fucking I, lovely. Yeah, f- fucking. I mean, he's fucking not lovely. That's right, not the word okay, you'd use. But he's used, definitely but he's, not stupid. But he's fucking smart <laughs> and capable. Uh,
0: and so, yeah, th- this song just it, it. It's like the realization of so many kind of fears mm-hmm. and thoughts, and it's mm-hmm. and it just it. I found it powerful twenty years ago, yeah. and now dealing with the realities of these things it's just like oh it's almost too much to bear it is song.
1: brutal isn't but, it and it's it, relentlessly it, brutal but it's
0: because it's so good
1: uh, but it's incredible exactly if it wasn't that good you wouldn't be so affected exactly and it is so affecting on me um there's a line in it uh i have seen things that you you, you will never see mm. right and for some reason at the time that particularly got me because it was the first time even though i'd seen blade runner and i've seen that bit where he goes uh, i've seen stars and but at the oh, tanheim oh, gate off the, yeah. yeah which is a, a great line and very evocative i hadn't really thought about it and this made me realize like when a person dies an entire world dies because their memories and their life from their point of view is gone yeah it is gone and no one can know what they knew this lyrically i think is just genius this should be you know a poem this should be taught in syllabuses i yeah. think it's incredibly done musically i think this is also just brilliant though that's yeah. the other thing yeah. like you know it doesn't it's got the music to back it up it's not just a brilliant uh poem over a shit tune it's gorgeous yeah. heartbreakingly gorgeous. The the, bit, uh, the second chorus when uh, the band comes in with the oh that sort of backing and it's sort of swelling and the feedback swells up.
0: A bit that sounds a bit like Hanging Tough. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure that's where they got their. You can take a chance. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 Man, there's a, there's a bit in uh, one of the videos for is it I think it's a Sidewinder sleeps tonight where Stipe is wearing big baggy trousers, uh, a big a loose jacket with no shirt on underneath, and he looks like he wants to be a new kid. Jesus, Christ. he really does. He's wearing a backwards baseball cap. That's oh, fucking terrible. hell. Yeah, but yes. Right. Anyway, anyway. So on Brilliant. the subject of Simon, why sleeps tonight?
0: Yes, that's track three. Okay, let's, let's have a listen to this one. intro for this.
1: Uh-huh, the third single yes. this was. This was in February 93, the third one.
0: Very yeah. different. In, in the jungle, the mighty jungle. Well, indeed, well, that's that's the thing.
1: It wasn't until uh, preparing for this podcast that I put those two together. Yeah. Yeah, that I was like, oh, right. Because obviously I had got that they had, you know, done a tweak on The Lion Sleeps Tonight yeah. for the title but I'd never thought about that ooh bit like yeah. oh of course it is
0: I mean look f- for me
1: this is the shiny
0: happy rec- people of this record I've got the same note yeah it is. It, it is it's the happy clappy it's kind of got the strange sadness that kind of cuts through it um, I've got to say like the, the famously garbled chorus yeah, that you can hear him laughing yeah. at himself this Tony Chadwick thing Tony Chadwick Tony Chadwick, uh, <laughs> Tony Tony Chadwick. <laughs> right Only need to call yeah. to the wake up the, the garbled chorus uh-huh. it kind of fucks this song for me oh really? yeah the thing is right it's familiar oh absolutely and this was and, one of the big radio singles I heard this all the time yeah and I think I liked this a lot more at the time probably and I still Mm kind of like it in a nostalgic way yeah but when I take a step back from this song and I look at it objectively compared with the two
1: tracks that have come before it yeah it's kind of bit troweled on i think it's jarring uh, when it comes in it, it, I think it's so. jarring you couldn't put it anywhere that it wouldn't be jarring no um, but especially after those first two i think it is but i think i, I think there are
0: there, there are points of punctuation that they've deliberately put in this record mm. in order to stop it from being a, a, a one beat a one note album, totally, to stop it from being relentlessly, you know, you know, you Yeah, you know what I mean. To to appreciate, you know, to appreciate the kind of the black blacks. You need the fucking the 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 light highlights that that make um, it pop. You totally, know? yeah. Um, and personally, I think the the organ is pervasively high in the mix. Mm. Uh, I think the strings. I kind of, whereas the strings add something in every other song they hear, it's kind of almost a little bit histrionic for me. Right. I see what they were going for, but I feel like they over over course corrected on this song.
1: Yes, I think that's fair. And you said that it sounds like they have put some things in to try and break the mood up. Yeah. They have said that this was one of the ones they had. They did put this in. They included it because it wasn't as, as morbid and mm-hmm. and melancholy as some of the other ones, so they wanted a balance. But even uh, the band have said, Peter Buck said in two thousand and one. Uh, Overall, I think it sounds great, but we included it on Automatic in order to break the prevailing mood of the album. Given that the lyrically uh, given lyrically the record dealt with mortality in the passage of yeah. uh, suicide, family, we felt a light spot was needed. But in retrospect, the consensus among the band is this might be a little too lightweight. Oh, there you go, that's almost exactly what I just said. Absolutely, so yeah, that is entirely what they now, not think. my Looking words, <laughs> <laughs> not, not
0: my words, Lynn, <laughs> the words of Shaking Stevens.
1: <laughs> I mean, Peter Buck, yeah. Um, look, man, swing and a miss for me. This song, I've got a note that says I can't dislike it because it's a good song and it's a, it's a nice melody, but. In terms of where I want REM to be on this album, it's not what I want. This and this, it, like it's the Shiny Happy People, but I have more of an issue with this, I think, than I do with Shiny Happy People. So do I, because as we discussed, it's them. it's so much of a different type. But I'll be honest with you.
0: I don't think I I knew that at the time. I don't think I don't think I felt that at the time.
1: No, no, I think I was happy enough. With it uh, being a good, fun little song. And again, I had this 7-inch. I don't anymore for some reason. I think I've given it away at some right. point. But I had this. I bought this. And I really liked it. Yeah. You know, f- three months after album release. like, oh, yeah, I'm going to buy this single too. Well, and also, I fucking hate snakes. Oh, yes, you do. I, 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 Sidewinder. I like people make me think about snakes. Yeah. Apparently, Sidewinder is a very old model of fun as well. Mm. Um, you know, that if you look, watch a 1930s film and you see someone... Uh, Going into a booth, yeah. and they they hope they grab the, the little earpiece off the wall, and it's on a wire mm. to the wall, and they have to crank the phone, they have to wind it, oh, yeah. and then talk to an operator. Oh yeah, that's a sidewinder. Nice. Yeah. So uh, the phone, in you know, the lyrics about uh, this is this place where I'm I'm staying. You can call me up, etc. Who knows what it's about, to be honest. Mm. Lots of people, lots of the band have gone, not really sure what Slate was doing here, Mm. but uh, they reckon that it refers to that sort of phone and the sidewinder was the coiled bit. Ah. And if it's sleeping tonight, it's like, there's no one answering. So you can't get through, that sort of thing. Fair enough.
0: right? um, yeah, Yeah, it's fine. I don't love it. I don't think it sits well on this record, but it also doesn't break the record.
1: No, not at all. No, it, it doesn't put me off in a way that it could do. Um, the, the one thing I do like about this is that because they had to pay the tokens who re- recorded uh, The Lion Sleeps Tonight, yeah. they had to pay for the rights to be able to kind of pilfer it a little bit. Yeah. They also, as a B side on one of their singles, recorded a straight version of The Lion Sleeps Tonight. so oh, they really? So, that they, so they would get a bit more cash as well. So oh, that's that the nice. tokens were like, all oh, right, we'll sort you out. Sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Fucking RAM right, are good guys. I think so. Really good guys. I mean, so far. <laughs> let's let's wait. Let's, okay.
0: <laughs> come on, man. It's a it's a load of it's a it's a load of white guys who were fa- famous in the nineties. Let's no, true. I mean I mean there was a whole thing with, with your man fucking kicking off on the plane, wasn't there? Oh god was, was that Mick was the drummer?
1: Bill Berry. Was
0: Bill was it I can't remember what his name no, is? No, it was one of them. I can't remember, yeah. yeah one, one, one of them one of the one of them got in a bit of an air rage incident, didn't they? Yeah. Like, I can't fucking remember. Not as
1: bad as Ian Brown's one though. Well, I mean, fucking, let's oh, well, about fucking Ian he's gone off him. Cunt. What's happened to him?
0: Ah, oh, mate, just fucking too much time on your own too much internet. Too much. Well, we got fucking... Really tr- we got trolled by uh, anti-maskers, didn't we? We did, on our, on our Twitter. Yeah. Fuck me, there's Thanks. that. It's like, the way they found us, it's almost like there's some kind of uh, algorithm and bots out that there. they're searching every day. Deliberately searching for things. Mental. You know, anyway. Uh, here I am with my own conspiracy theory. Anyway, look, <laughs> First three tracks. Uh, two, I mean... Two out of three, but the two out the the two of the three are so successful that I'm gonna call that a solid fucking star. Oh,
1: absolutely, I will give them Sidewinder yeah. because the other two are so strong, and Sidewinder is all right. Yeah. It's okay. Now this is a this is a twelve
0: track album, so normally we do four, 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 but I, I think there are some some reasons that uh, that we should talk about the next three tracks together. Right. Okay. So so let's take a break and
1: listen. Do the album, shall we? Do the let's do. Okay. Nice one. Right then, albums. Uh, So the top 10 albums this week is the week of October 4th to the 10th. Right. And uh, like I said, we've had a couple of weeks beforehand where there was a a few greatest hits, Mm compilations. This is where we're at. So number 10 is the Police Greatest Hits. Yeah. That's there. Uh, Number 9 is the Shaman's Boss Drum Mm-hmm. Which is obviously off the back of Evanescence, a good which we yep. saw in the previous podcast. They've released. Bostrom,
0: that. Here we go again. Move them, uh, return into a distant indeed. time. Did you ever have that album? Uh, I had uh, someone. Someone in my circle of friends was really into that album, so I heard it a lot. But right. I know, but I was never into that album enough to have it myself. But I loved. Um, I was trying to actually know. It was Move Any Mountain on the previous record.
1: It was. It was re-recorded for this one because right. it was re-recorded as Move Any Mountain. It was originally Pro Gem in like 89, yep. okay. but they re-recorded it for Bostrom, I'm pretty Move sure.
0: Move Any Mountain. I think it
1: was on Bostrom anyway. But I mean, this was their breakthrough album. Yeah. yeah. I never had it, uh, an original, but again, I had a tape of this. I thought it was okay, but it was also a little bit fluffy. It was just like, oh, yeah, right, I mean, this, I, I, is, it, this is...
0: You know, there was, uh, again, we're talking about a time in music where there was such a a wealth of things to dig into that you couldn't, it mm. was like, I just couldn't process everything at this time. Absolutely not. You know, um, I, I still to this day go back to records that I didn't hear at, at the time from this time period and listen to and go, fuck hell, this is
1: really good. Yeah. Wish so, I'd, wish I'd paid more attention to this at the time. Yeah, I mean, but you, like, you, you could you nah. couldn't. Now, uh, number eight is Lionel Richie's Back to Front, which we've seen many times. Mm-hmm. Number seven is the Belinda Carlisle Best of, which I mentioned was number one previously. Number six, Brian May's Back to the Light.
0: Yeah, well, this this, this was his kind of Freddie's Dead cash in record, wasn't it? Was it? Because I know the we saw. Too much love will kill you. Right,
1: yes, we did. We saw that single recently. Yeah. But was it also the album that would have had. Um, uh, everything I do is driven by you because we saw that earlier this year. I mean, maybe, maybe I don't know. I, I, I was absolutely in no way interested. I in mean, this album.
0: Uh, the thing is, if we wanted to, uh, if we wanted to find out, perhaps we could refer to the Brian May guitarist of Light website. guitarist of
1: Light. <laughs> Fuck, it's still brilliant. If you haven't checked it out, go to uh, just Google Brian May guitarist of Light. Yeah. I can't it's believe a it's bad still up. GeoCities or AltaVista website. Yeah, yeah. Awful. Uh, Number five is. Michael Bolton with Timeless Brackets the Classics, which I'm assuming is just him doing lots of old soul numbers. Yeah. Uh, number four, Mike Oldfield's Jupiter Bells 2, which we did last week. We did. Uh, number three is Abba Gold, which, again, I said this was the number one uh, previously.
0: Yeah.
1: And uh, number two is Peter Gabriel's Us, which in 92, I'm assuming, is the follow-up to So, even right. though it's like five years after. I don't remember anything in between, but I'm not sure. I'm pretty oh, sure. Uh, I'm sure, pretty sure this album was in our house, but I don't remember it.
0: Uh, so just going back to um, the, the the previous record, I was at um, I was at the bingo recently. Were you good? Yeah, yeah. And uh-huh. I, I'd forgotten I'd forgotten my pen, uh-huh. uh, so I asked to borrow one from my friend, and she said, "Well, I've I've just got I've I've just got this one." She's an enormous fan of Swedish pop music in general. Sure, yeah. So it's, it's branded one, hmm. and she said, "Well, you can you can use this one if this
1: Abadab will do." Oh wow. Will, will this Abba Dabba do? That's amazing. Fucking Jesus Christ. Oh, it's all right. Mate, I'll tell you what, I, I had... Will, it, will this Abba Dabba do? That's, that's good, isn't it? Well... We... <laughs> <laughs> Good's a strong word. <laughs> so... I, I had thought to myself before to in, I was like, well, we could, I could say that uh, apparently all of the Popemobiles, um, they have to be uh, manual gears, Uh, or they can't be manual gears rather it has to be automatic for the people nice yes but I went no I'm not going to do that but you've just lowered the bar so far that I'm I'm able to sneak that in well there we go yeah (laughs) it, it is along the lines of what's the difference between Dubai and Abu Dhabi well, I don't. Dubai uh, don't show the Flintstones, but Abu Dhabi do. Ah, oh, fucking brilliant. That yeah, is a great there you go. Right, uh, so there's your top ten anyway. Nothing really interesting in there at all, if we're mm-hmm. honest. Uh, but there's a ton of other albums out in the, th- the three-week period we're looking at. So September 20th to October 10th is the three weeks. Um, Prodigy released Experience, mm-hmm. which got to number 12. And while i never had the album i fucking loved the singles oh man you know yeah. Ch- charlie was like oh this is great yes it's a bit comedy but i loved it and then whenever uh, everybody in the place came out loved that i mean i played straight the straight shit up. out of
0: experience yeah
1: did you have it at the time? yeah 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 i mean but i mean that was never my
0: prodigy album like it was it was an album i had mm. but uh because you know because i was interested in the singles sure but it was dual generation. Of course. Was, that, oh, Yeah, no, that, that, that
1: broke oh. down many doors. Um, Happy Mondays released Yes, Please. Uh, We've got to number 14. Mm-hmm. The Christians, our old friends, The Christians released oh, yeah. an album called Happy in Hell. Didn't go straight to number one, this one. No, apparently not. It peaked at an 18. I it still did all right, though. For, to be honest, it did. I mean, I seem to remember whenever we did our Christians episode um, from the research we did then, their album after this one yeah. didn't even chart. I think it was one of those.
0: God, do you remember that fucking awful moment we had, like shortly after we started the podcast, yeah. where like a friend was like, Oh, I know one of the yeah. Christians. I'll tell them about your podcast. We're like,
1: Don't fucking no, no, do no. it. No, someone tagged someone on Facebook oh. in it. <laughs> oh, and I think it was like one of their old managers. But thankfully, that person never replied. Yeah, thank you, yeah. Because oh. Yeah, no. I
0: mean, if, you, if you've never heard our... Uh, I, I would love to say go and listen to our Christians episode. It was, unfortunately, we lost half the audio for it, so it's the worst sounding yeah, episode Yeah, it's bad audio. It's, it's good
1: content. Oh, mate, it was but... one of the most savage kick-ins we ever gave anything. <laughs> it was. I, I was so angry at that record. Yeah, indeed. Um, EMF released Stigma, which only got to number 19. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Jesus Christ. <laughs>
1: fuck's sake. Daisy Chainsaw released 11. Teen. Love, love, love on for your money. money. Uh, Public Enemy's Greatest Misses came out. That
0: was a good record. It that was. Had, um, a fucking that had... Uh, I, I always forget about that. That had... Uh, what was it called? Um, oh, it was a basketball track called. Um, Air Hoodlum? Air Hoodlum. Oh, what a tune that All right, was. Yeah. Air Hoodlum. I, I wonder if
1: it's still a great track Listen, to, if I listen back to it now. Okay. Well, I remember some of them. I remember... I remember there Hit the Road, Jack, mm-hmm. and Ty Goes to the Runner and Hazy Shaded Criminal, and then mm-hmm. there's quite a few remixes of stuff. Um, I remember those being great fun. Uh, but I, I had this and enjoyed it. Well, I mean, I mean, we were discussing this uh, in, in, on
0: chat with Simon the other day, but I've seen a lot of people who I respect talking about the new Public Enemy album.
1: Oh, yeah, just came out last as, week As, or a, as a return true. to form, but mm.
0: I, I gave it a listen, and I'm not seeing it. No, it's rubbish. Uh, I didn't... I mean, uh, even yeah. the track that fucking Premiere produced... Which is a good track and it's a, a good beat. It's, 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 got it's a an track. awful chorus.
1: It's Flav fucking. What, why
0: did they let Flav on that chorus?
1: Why did they let him back in after they'd done that apparently April Fool of kicking oh, him who out? Fucking knows. That, I have no That
0: idea. that, that smelled a lot like lawyers to me. Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, I don't think the Public Enemy album is good at all.
0: No, I mean I I do like that that kind of uh, version of Fight the Power that they do. That's fun.
1: That is good. Mate, they do that well, and they do a revamped version of Public Enemy number one, which mm. is also good. But that's because those are good songs.
0: Well, that is true.
1: The ones that they have, the new songs on this one, even though they've got great collaborators, I was excited that they had one with the the two remaining Beastie Boys. Yeah, yeah, back but, on Def Jam yeah, as well. Yeah. And it sounds like their parts are literally on the end of a phone. Yeah. They've got one with Cypress Hill. Oh, that could be good. No. Mm. Yeah, disappointing. It's a
0: shame, man. It's yeah, a it shame. Is, it but is. i tell you what they don't have. Mm. They don't have 13 tracks produced by the Bomb Squad. Well, exactly. And... I don't even know whether that would be a thing now.
1: I don't know, but we'll never know.
0: We'll never know. And no. you know what? Some things are best left in the past, as this podcast is living testimony. Well, no, fair
1: play. Anyway, so... Uh, so, uh, Extreme released three sides to every story. Yeah, rubbish, And was, as I recall. Was it? I've never heard it. Yeah, It was,
0: a, it was, a, it was taking uh, advantage of the fact that CDs were now the main thing, so that they could do... Uh, instead of having two sides, there were three sides. Oh, I
1: see what they split into three sections, did yeah. they? Ah, oh, right. Well, it got to number two. We almost had to do that. That's, yeah, I, I- mean... <sighs> That would have been something. And that,
0: that's all because More Than Words sold a million copies. Oh, God,
1: and that was huge. And that is a good song. Yeah, I mean, well, it isn't, but it is. Ah, I like that. More Than Words. The Whole is, is my favourite one of their cheesy ballads. Yeah. Great. Uh, Blind Melon released their self-titled album in this point. Yeah. Did I, you have that at the time? Uh, I didn't
0: have it at the time, mm-hmm. but I heard it right. a lot the following year when I got
1: into smoking weed right okay <laughs> uh, Cannibal Corpse released a Tomb of the Mutilated yeah which I don't know
0: I mean I've it, i, I I'm sure I've, I've, like Cannibal corpse. I've dipped into Cannibal Corpse yeah. here and there it's, I, you know, steak, yeah.
1: it's it's solid fucking brutal death metal if that's what you want to listen yeah. to you know they're, 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 exactly you're not going to get any surprises uh red man released what the album uh-huh uh, which was a, a relatively big deal, but I'm surprised that's as
0: early as that i mean Redman, yeah, uh, red man fucking great great m c like could have been one of the best ever mm. made not the best beat choices no, and, I think that's and producer choices could have you know if he'd have collaborated with different people i mean you know you can't fuck with red man's position as an mc in the pantheon of mcs sure, yeah. but i don't think he had the level of classics that you know M- red man didn't have a mugs red man didn't sure. have a dray red man right. didn't have do you know what i mean the neptune he didn't have those killer fucking beats no i and can't name, i
1: cannot name you a red man stone cold banger until we get to something like Smash Something. I mean,
0: Smash Something is fucking great. But Obviously, that's you know
1: But I, I can't really I can name you anything from the early 90s where I'm like, oh yeah, that gets played mm-hmm. in a classic hip hop set.
0: There are plenty of fucking Redman tracks that you'd slide, and if you were like, oh fucking here's a fucking underground banger, do you sure. know what I mean? Yeah, but it, exactly but,
1: nothing yeah. world beating chart wise. Mm-hmm. Made it would have, nothing that made him big. Um, Stone Temple Pilots released Core. Core is a solid album uh-huh. that suffered
0: from its Pearl Jam comparisons yeah. at the time, mainly because of Scott Violin's voice and because of Plush was
1: a copyist single. Oh, totally. And this is the thing. At the time, I took against Stone Temple Pilots because I heard Sex Type Thing yeah. and then I heard Plush. And I went, yeah. oh, well, that's Alice in Chains and that's yeah. Pearl Jam. These guys don't have an original bone in their body. Even though they're, they're great tunes, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, fuck these guys. And so I never even checked. Out Purple for. is a classic yeah.
0: grunge album. Right. If you, if we, if we, if we were talking about that kind of that thing where it isn't really grunge because it really is, it's kind of more influenced by seventies fucking rock. But sure. like fucking Vaseline, man,
1: what a song yeah. that is! And this is the thing, you know. Whenever I go back and I do hear tracks of, from these guys, I'm like, oh, that is a good tune. But I just something in my head had gone, nah, fuck them. So honestly, I,
0: I mean, they they put out great records. I think of the first three records they put out, Core is the lesser because it's there are too many overtones of other bands in there. But
1: so like a band still finding its feet at that point
0: maybe but at the same time you know you, you, I, I think there's some arguments for those songs predating the releases of some of the other songs there? yeah there's, okay. there's some kind of parallel thinking arguments going on there depending on what side of the argument you want to be on right. but you know I mean Scott Wyland had one hell of a fucking voice Oh yeah, his, his, I mean, his solo album that 12 Bar Blues solo album is a fucking Never checked really, really really nice record yeah. uh, and you know some of the work he did with Velvet Revolver was, was
1: fun it was. It was absolutely. He the guy can sing, and I reckon he can fucking pop. Well, not anymore. But I reckon he could party.
0: Yeah, oh, fucking hell, mate. Yeah, I
1: suspect the nineties were a great time for a fucking I mean, wine party. If you, if
0: you were given the choice, what what are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to uh, like either of the Velvet Revolver albums or the or the Axl Rose Guns and Roses album. Well,
1: there you go. Yeah, nobody wants the the Axel Axel and and Co bullshit. An yeah. album which I secretly quite like, but carry on right, fine. Um, Manowar released Triumph of the Steel. Of course they did. Oh, yeah, I have nothing but respect for Manowar in terms of they are a great comedy band. I mean, but but a but, band that's seen no comedy
0: in the no, totally. At I all. love it. Yes. I,
1: I, no interest in their music whatsoever, I must admit. But the fact that their album covers are them in loincloths with swords, and they call their their albums things like Triumph of the Steel. Brilliant. Oh, do,
0: do, when, when, we, when we used to play in Sonateam, we, we went through a, a, a good period where we would just stop one of our songs mm. halfway through, just stop it dead, and then go, Here, the metal are no metal at all. <laughs> Whips and posers.
1: Leave Never. the heart. Amazing. Yeah. No, exactly. I Got cannot fault them for that sort of shit, but no interest in the music. Soul Asylum released Grave Dancers Union. and fuck themselves. I remember when Runaway Train was everywhere couldn't be worse didn't like it there was one other one i think that they released maybe after that i went oh that's okay but I can't remember what it is now.
0: I mean, isn't the story about. like
1: Wasn't there a story that there was beef
0: between Les Claypool from Primus and Dave Perna? No, oh, was it? Yeah, and Dave Perna was going out with Winona Ryder. Oh, And that's why they released the song Winona's Big Brown Beaver.
1: Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's not true, I like
0: the story. Uh, Sick of It All, released Just Look Around. Come on. Sick of It All, one of the fucking most him, underrated. Like, Sick of It All are. They're, they're the crocodile, man. They you know the, the crocodile, they've remained unchanged. I see. Uh, like, uh, they just get the fuck out there. They're like clutch. Okay, right? sure. They get out there. They do what they fucking do. They kick ass every single fucking time, right. man. Built to last. I mean, yeah. that's all you need to know about, about Sick of It All. Well,
1: fair fucking, enough. Fucking what a band. Fair enough. Uh, and then the last one I've got of note is a Jesus Lizard released Liar. At this point, Jesus Lizard are a fucking band.
0: I, I mean, I saw Jesus Lizard at my first uh, reading, which would have been ninety oh, four. Ninety four. Yeah, yeah, they were there. So they'd have been. I oh, know, not they wouldn't have been touring Liar still, would they? They'd have been touring. Um... Do you know what man? Because the problem with Jesus Lizard is, I heard all of the records at like very similar times because my friend Grant had them all. Of course, and they've all got fucking one word titles. Yes, they do. And I and a lot of them are very of of
1: uh It sounds like a Jesus Lizard. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I
0: kind of don't pick them apart in that way. Yeah, And I yeah, and look, man, if you're listening to this and you're going, oh, you're fucking wrong, though. Oh, I don't fucking at me, I don't care. Um, Fine. I, I get it. I, I, I get that that's a, an opinion that I would probably have. You know, if someone said the same thing about Helmet, I'd be well, like, well, actually, actually you'll find God. a very different album. And blah, blah, <laughs> blah, blah. blah right? yeah. and I get it, but I, that's just the way that I process them. But I fucking love The Jesus Lizard.
1: No, fair play. Um, I think I have more respect for them as what they have done and how they have been a band yeah. than i do for their music i think music's fine no. but i fucking love have that you seen them live i saw yeah i saw them support nirvana in oh, you fuck of in new you york did. uh and i i was at the the uh, reading as well yeah yeah
0: they're, i mean they're oh they're mental a, one of the most fucking, fucking mental brutally fucking i'm fucking i, mean, david I, mean, is, is I can't insane. imagine how much pain david yale wakes up in every single no, day absolutely. Absolutely. you know he's, you know he's he was a pop yeah, fair. yeah. He was, you know. Oh, yeah, it was. it was fucking And there's brilliant. it,
1: you know, live shows exactly great. But for me, I would never put a Jesus album on because I don't get the music that way.
0: Have you not got any uh, you got any tracks on compilations? You not got a Mouth breather on a compilation here don't and we there.
1: Have? Don't we have?
0: Oh, he's a, guy. oh he's a Mouth Breather. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking <laughs> that is.
1: Uh well, there you go. That's a, a load of albums and there's some good stuff in that list, you know. Uh the Prodigy, like you say, is a big album. And then you've got things like Stuntable Pilots, Soul Asylum, Jesus Lizard, Blind Melon. So that yeah. scene is, you know, releasing, pumping stuff out at the minute. And then EMF, Jay Z Chain. So Happy Mondays. A lot of kind of UK indie stuff as well. A lot of good things. It's a good time, man. It's yeah.
0: a good time for music.
1: Yes, 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 yes. But there you go. There's, there's, there's albums anyway.
0: Next track is. Everybody Hurts. So track
1: four we're on now, Everybody Hurts. Yeah. And this was the fourth single of the album and it was also the highest charting of those singles. got to number seven. Your long. And you cannot not know this song. Everyone knows this song. Look, this
0: song—it's yeah. fucking difficult for me to listen to this song. Right, right. and basically, when I when I was—and uh, I, I can't remember if I've talked about this on the podcast before or not—but when I was seventeen, mm-hmm. a guy that I was friends with at sixth form um, had a pretty well, had a very had a fatal accident.
1: Yes, yeah, so you, you've mentioned it, kind of not in passing and in passing, but it hasn't been do, done. So
0: it, basically, the story of this is four. For the month of December 1993, I spent probably two two or three nights a week for the best part of that month going to visit my friend who had fallen off of a fucking multi-story car park mm-hmm. and was very badly injured, was in intensive care, yeah. was probably brain dead right. um, and was... Inflated. It's the only way to put it. Like okay. If you fall that far, your body—it's—it's a—it's a very strange way to see a human being. Okay. And I was seventeen. Mm. I was fucking seventeen. And that's and at that point, my life—you know—I'd had my you know, ups and downs, but I'd never been confronted with it. I'd never—you know—my grandparents had died when I was very young. Yeah. I'd never been confronted with this, and I ended up and, and, and my friend—he he passed away—and I went to his funeral.
1: Mm-hmm
0: on my 18th birthday wow yeah on my 18th birthday uh and this was one of three songs that was played R- okay and because this song is so fucking successful uh uh-huh. it was everywhere and this is this and it it destroys me right like i say it's an achingly successful song mm-hmm. it's just like a fucking sniper bullet right because it's this song to me if we talk about the message of the song, you know, it's about holding on to life and understanding. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, there's a message of hope, you know, understanding depression, understanding uh-huh. that for some of us, I mean, I'm someone that's fucking suffered from depression, understanding that for some of us, these things are going to be seasonal, like that stuff's going to fucking come and go. right? Okay. But for this song, for me, it,
1: it, I, I feel like this song fucking touches my bone marrow, you know? Oh, yeah. It, like, fucking... Like, it's like, well, it, if it's tied to something as specifically traumatic as that, yeah. then it can't not be. It's but not it, like it's just a general song. This thing. And it's,
0: for me, it's everything that's great and powerful about music, right? right. And it is, right? And it, it just fucking crucifies me with the beauty of it, the way that it just kind of taps straight into the source of this fucking feeling of this this feeling that we all have this universal pain that hits us sometimes. Mm -hmm. But then I add that into this fact that it's it's kind of this loss of innocence for me, this point that I really started having to question everything, you know? Oh, yeah. Just like this kind of, for me, it was just this massive education in how unfair the world can be. You know, Yeah, because I mean, like, I fucking, it was fucking, you know, like, my, my friend, he got accepted into Oxford whilst he was in a coma. Oh God! Fuck like, you! Now. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. because like, he was a bright fucking guy, man. right? And it, the, the weird thing that I've, you know, like we probably wouldn't be friends now. We were friends at sixth form. Life would have taken us in different directions, mm-hmm. right? But this thing, it kind of, I mean, I ended up dropping out of fucking college and all sorts of things after this. Like, it really fucking knocked me. Fucked up a bit. Really knocked me for a right, fucking okay. for a crook. But it's also a reminder more than anything uh, uh, and ties into the look so that those emotional investments that we make in people mm-hmm. are they yield more of value than anything else that whole thing of like kind of uh you know kind of take comfort from your friends yeah I've always invested an awful lot in my friendships absolutely have yeah when push comes to shove for all these things it's only my friends that have ever been of any comfort to me right and it's all my friend, you know, it's all that really fucking matters. Sure, and I tear the rest of it down for it.
1: Right, um, but it really, really spoke to you on a big level at that point. Then, I mean, it probably did before that all happened as well. Yeah. but then to tie it in with that and to be bombarded by those feelings every time you heard it—that's that's th- a big deal. This was an inescapable song
0: for a long time. It while.
1: was. Oh, mate, it, it was everywhere. It was one of the biggest. Uh, videos on TV. It was on all radio all the time because yeah. it's such a radio-friendly song. Yeah, no, you could not get away from this at and all. And it's
0: like you know, I mean, I I know that some people probably think this is mawkish or trite.
1: Oh, that's that's generally the the view I reckon these days. People look back, REM fans especially. Yeah, would look back and go, yeah, but you know, pff, everybody hurts. It's a bit on the nose. But
0: this is you know, but this is the thing. It's, you know, like when you talk about comedy and you. Like people that like to think themselves comedy snobs, should mm-hmm. say, like to look down their nose at someone like Michael McIntyre. Of course. Right? Because it's, oh, fucking, that stuff's so obvious. It's so obvious. It's obvious w- when someone said it and it connects. Well, no, I'm not a particular Michael McIntyre fan, but I think he's a master of his fucking craft. Oh, right? Yeah, he does
1: what he does, brilliant. Yeah. And this
0: is what they've done. They've come out with something that is so universal that it resonates with people. And then I've just got all this other fucking baggage that I bring to it. Of course. And I just think the song is so successful in what it does that it just weaponizes all of this...
1: Oh, it's perfectly done. ...this stuff for me, you know. It's perfectly done. Uh, The the band have said that, in this one, you know what he's talking about. In some of the R.E.M. songs, you have no idea what Stipe is saying. It's uh, flights of fantasy, it's random stuff, whatever. This one, you know exactly what the band are saying. And uh, Peter Buck said that the reason the lyrics are so atypically straightforward is because it was aimed at teenagers. It was to give them a message yeah. it was targeted at either either teenagers of 92 or kind of the band's younger selves like what they wished they had heard yeah. in those years and the band have said because it is such a direct message with this overall feeling of hope it's not about fuck isn't everything dreadful and there's what's the point yeah it is saying hold on comfort in your friends do yeah. you know don't throw your hand because they have that message the band still apparently get messages from people uh saying this helped me through bad times it resonated in ways that very little else did thank you for expressing what i needed to hear yeah. you know which is a fucking massive deal mm-hmm. it really is a big deal um musically i think it's absolutely gorgeous there's swelling strings there's Big crescendos towards the end when it breaks down and goes to almost that's just the the, the little uh, sort of Bon Tempi drum beats, and then Stipe comes back and so hold on and it all just floods back in yeah. opens the floodgates again. So beautifully put together this song, I think it's incredible. I think it's absolutely incredible.
0: I am incapable of being objective about no this no, no song. of course and. Like you know, no other song has ever caused me so much emotional distress.
1: Wow, right? That's absolutely J- yeah. the case.
0: No, no other piece of music ever has or ever will. I don't right. think. Uh, I haven't been able to listen to it for years, and I was dreading listening oh, to fuck this. Fuck
1: right, okay. I
0: haven't, and I've I've sat and I have forced myself to listen to this several times for this. Yeah. And
1: uh, uh, it
0: still it still gets me. I still have a very acute. Um, it, the thing is, what well, I can hear it in the background. I've, I've I've had to get used to hearing it in the background. Okay. Right? But when I sit and listen to it and force myself to, it, it still fucking tears me up, man.
1: Yeah. It like really, punch. really tears me up. Um, Have you? Well, I'm assuming the answer is going to be no. Have you watched the, the video for it recently? No, recently, as in for this? No. No. I think it's a brilliant video. Do you remember it at all? Which one was it? It's the one where they're, they're all stuck in traffic. Oh
0: god, yeah, this is a fucking great video. It's
1: brilliant. It's uh, directed by Jake Scott, who's Ridley Scott's son. Yeah, and uh, the, it's loads of cars in traffic, in, uh, stuck in a traffic jam, and it pans from car to car and person to person, and there's a little subtitle underneath each, each person of what they're they're thinking at that time. Yeah. And it's just people with really anxious and insecure thoughts and, oh, why, why doesn't nobody ever notice me, and why are they fighting, That's and I right, wish I wasn't yeah. here, this sort of thing. And then... At the end, Stipe gets up on top of a car, and the, when when it gets to the crescendo, everyone gets out of their cars, mm. and it's that. Sort of, it's, just, it's 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 pushing a lot of very obvious buttons, but it does it really well, yeah. and I think that it absolutely adds another dimension to an already brilliant song. Yeah, in in a way that some of the videos for these ones, Sidewinder sleeps tonight, it's just a video. that adds nothing else to the song. Even the one from *Man on the Moon* doesn't particularly add anything to me. Yeah. The night swimming one doesn't, but this I think is brilliant.
0: Yeah, I I I really remember this video, yeah. and yeah, it was a it was a wonderful
1: video at the time. It is gorgeous. Um, it was nominated for the uh, MTV Video Awards in 1994 because obviously it released as a single '93, so the following year it was nominated for more it was nominated for more awards than any other song yeah and it won some of them it was up for video of the year against uh beastie boy sabotage nirvana heart-shaped box and aerosmith's crying mm-hmm. do you want to have a guess of which one won
0: oh aerosmith
1: aerosmith oh. i know out of those videos you know, this is a brilliant video uh nirvana's heart-shaped box is a great video mm-hmm. the, the whole the weird doll thing the weird uh, dummy beastie boy sabotage fucking what yeah. that didn't win uh, but that it was because of that because BC Boy Sabotage didn't win at one point uh REM won the Best Director award for this video, and that's when Adam Youck came out as Nathaniel Hornblower yeah. and did that little speech about this is a travesty. I can't believe uh, this is one and did the thing. It should have been Spike Jones, and I had all the ideas for Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> just it, yeah. Ran out on stage, <laughs> was pulled off again.
0: I remember that. I'm from,
1: I'm from Sweden. I just want you to know I had all the ideas okay, for, Star for Star Wars. Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Beastie was fucking on it at that point. Oh, it's so good. There's a thing I just saw today. Um, Apparently, Rolling Stone, I think, had asked various people for their top 50 albums to to compile a kind of a greatest top 50 of all time. And uh, Adam Horowitz... Sent what? Sent a list in, yeah. and he just made shit up. <laughs> he, just, <laughs> he just invented bands and albums, that, and they, they, they've got great titles. There's just fifty. They, they published the list of all fifty of them, and you are going "This song's wicked." I would listen to all of these, and then number twenty-seven, Phil Collins dancing to the light. <laughs> <laughs> this, I have no, literally no other one that I've heard of because they don't exist. Yeah. <laughs> Phil Collins dancing to the light. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, I fucking love it. Oh, class. Right, so... Okay, so okay, there we go. So that is uh, track four, and you reckon that there is a bit of a, a triptych going on I in, think so, in, in this bit of the album?
0: Because now we go into... Because the, the thing is, when you've written that song, it's like, how the fuck do you follow it up? Sure. And they go into this uh, thing, New, the New Orleans Instrumental. Number one. Number one. And for me, it's a kind of... It's almost like an epilogue, because it's, you know, it's kind of sparse and jammy, mm-hmm. but it's very much... A mood piece. It's very yeah. fucking downbeat. Yes, it is. Uh, we can't use the
1: word. No, but it, it is the M word. Yeah, it's yeah, the M word. Yeah. Um, oh, totally. And it sets a scene again, and it makes you makes you think of sad images or whatever. It's it's a gorgeous piece of music.
0: Yeah, I mean, but, I I kind of I write it's like it's like an ode to the downbeat right sure but then it's got these little inflections that make you feel respect for stolen moments of pleasure okay like those little kind of those little little upticks and inflections that exist within the music Mm. and you're kind of like those are the the moments you hold on for okay yeah you know those so you know you've got for me you've got everybody hurts here yep then you've got this which in the middle which kind of reflects the the mood on the message though. So you got. I um, let, let me try and put this in a better way. Mm. So everybody hurts is, it's okay. It's it's downbeat with a message of hold on. Yes. You know, it's that's the, that's the thing. Then you have got this piece which feels kind of like, almost like the middle ground between this and the next one, which is sweetness follows. Okay. And then we'll get into sweetness follows in a second. Yeah. But that again, it's the same themes, but the but the levels are changed. Okay, when, you know, like everybody hurts. The, the The message is life is fucking hard. Hold on, and then th- this kind of just bridges the gap between the two, and then sweetness follows, which we'll get into properly. Mm-hmm. Is very much life is very fucking hard. But this is what you're holding on for these are I the see. high accents so yeah. it's almost like a book ending and you and you go through you, you all three pieces have the same message right. but they have different levels within them of the same message and they
1: sit the together aspects.
0: fucking beautifully i yeah. see
1: okay i hadn't put that i hadn't put that together because this to me while well, i think it's very nice mm. It didn't speak to me in any way that it took away a message from it. I just went, that's nice. Nice piece.
0: I think if you just, if you just take these three tracks out and listen to them, it's almost
1: what? as if it's one record. Oh, I, don't right. know that,
0: I don't know whether that's intention at all, whether I'm completely overreading it, but it's something that really struck me. Mm. Not something I thought of about the time, but this is something that's kind of come to me as I've been listening to these I must admit,
1: I had pretty much forgotten this song. Uh, Whenever I went back to listen to it, this was when I went, oh yeah, of course, this one. Had you asked me about it before I'd re-listened, I'd been like can't remember
0: i really like it as well it's, it oh, yeah. is instant I, what i what i really like about it is, is it's so important to the flow of the record
1: right okay
0: and um, you know this is a podcast where we talk about albums yes and yes. the tracking of it. this is an album that has been exquisitely tracked i think
1: for the most for the, part, most part. Uh, yeah i think there's I've, I've got the one misstep with sidewinder yeah but where else are you going to put it of course yeah. yeah no i think that's right and this uh, at track five If you think of it as a a 12 track album, this is coming up to the end of side one. So it's leading into the end of side Mm -hmm. one. And yeah, I can see that. It's it's a nice thing to do. Um, Yeah, uh, the only thing I've got on this is I think it's very pleasant. Um, I like the fact that they have done another instrumental Mm -hmm. on the album in the same way they did with Endgame on other time. To me, I prefer Endgame. I don't get as much from this, but I think it's lovely. I think it's really nice. And it's almost a bit floaty, a bit dreamy. it's, it's like it's it's been beamed in from somewhere else. It's just them doing a nice little bit. It was recorded in just one take, one session in New Orleans, and I think it's fine. I think it's lovely. But I can the- I
0: can imagine walking around in the rain with headphones, being feeling sad and right. listening to this.
1: There is a scene in Baby Driver um, yeah. towards towards the very end where Baby is dropping off Joe, uh, the deaf guy. At the nursing home, when he's, mm-hmm. he's getting someone dropping him off and setting him up, and this song is playing in the in the background of that, and it is very background, but it's a it's a, it works well because it's like it's an emotional scene, it's a sad scene, and it sets a tone for that. Definitely not. Jesus Christ, can you imagine?
0: If, I mean, if you were Edgar Wright mm-hmm. and you'd made Baby Driver mm-hmm. and you were just because I don't know if you remember, but everything about Kevin Spacey came out <laughs> just before this was released on video. Yep. That must have no, fucked his numbers oh, you'd, you'd be You'd be miffed, I
1: you'd think is the word. Angry. I mean, you know, uh-huh. you'd,
0: you'd probably have bigger concerns and a bigger picture situation. For sure. But on that moment where you allowed yourself to be selfish and wallow in your own situation, uh-huh. you'd be like, fuck you, Spacey.
1: I did see something. Um, someone had asked asked Edgar Wright if there were any kind of Easter egg things to do with the music in Baby Driver that he had never pointed out or might not be noticed because obviously Edgar Wright is known for just yeah. putting in Easter eggs all over the place and he said well how about the fact that um, the song you hear after the one by Focus is the one by Blur nice like, yeah okay that works fair I, enough I, right, I, I fair like enough. you've done that that's good right okay but then like you say let's get into track 6 then so track mm-hmm. 6 is Sweetness Follows yeah that cellos cello man, straight back into some misery here. Absolute
0: soul wrench, right? Yep, Myers you lyrically in that tar pit again of loss, mm. but it does it differently. Whereas Everybody Hurts is got that minor key, it, it, it's about hopefulness, but it, it, but it's, it feels like a sad oh, song. Oh, uh, it does absolutely. This with, with upward inflection, lilt you've got that church organ which kind of gives it that big fucking elegy. Right. feel uh-huh. you know it's the sound of the light at the end of a tunnel it's literally what this song is it's okay. like you know you're,
1: sweetness follows yeah right you
0: know it, 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 as I say it, it gives us that for me it's that understanding that some of us go through life with our emotions being like seasons.
1: Uh-huh. Right?
0: And they're going to fucking change, right? And and there's nothing you can do about it, but you have to accept in the same way as you accept when you're in the middle of the darkest, wettest day mm. of December and you're feeling, I just fucking want this to end. You know that in six months' time, there's a day in a field with your friends coming. Okay, sure. Right? That's, right. that's coming, and...
1: You have to hold on for those bits. You have to
0: remember. You have to remember this is cyclical. This will change. Oh, okay. And it's you know like you know it's like in the middle of winter when it's a shitty day. You're like, fuck. This feels like it's gonna last forever. Yeah. But it never does. You know Okay. Nice. And nice. I, and I just I just think that juxtaposition between because the, the like, sweetness follows and everybody hurts. It's the same message.
1: Right. Different. Deliberate. That there is there is something worth staying around for, yeah. but, right but
0: it's, it's the different shades of the
1: delivery of that
0: of that mm. message and as i say i just think taken as a piece those three tracks are as good a triptych as you're going to find in any album of popular music nice
1: okay I'm and I, I,
0: I just think it's really fucking lovely and rounded and complete and i fucking adore it
1: okay cool cool i think this is incredible song. i think it's absolutely beautiful um the the cello the the low Notes of that cello, which base it and yeah. grind it. it. There's there's a, a a drama there, but it's not like a melodrama. It's just a solid. Oh, th- yeah. This this has got some gravitas yes. to it. And in terms of the message, you know, type like the first first lines are about burying your father and your mother. You're losing parents, um, and then uh, stuff about what how would it feel if it was your brother, or sister, or something like mm-hmm. this. Um, it's obviously. Talking about mortality and loss of family and those close to you. Mm-hmm. But then there is the message, and I'm not sure whether... I can go two ways on this, the so sweetness follows. Like, it's either there is, like you say, a light at the end of the tunnel, it will get better. You know, this is awful, and you are in the depths mm-hmm. of pain, but it will get better. Mm-hmm. So it's either that. But there's also something, uh, something I read around it. Some people believe that when you die you go to a better place. Mm-hmm. And so that could be the sweetness that follows. And so that it's uh putting the onus on the dead person saying, no, they have got sweetness to come. And that is I think a, but you can potentially read it as oh that's a cop out because no. you are not feeling the pain and the loss so much because you're going, that's all right. These guys have gone to a better place. Yeah. They are now happy, and therefore I don't have to be as distraught yeah. as I could be. Whereas someone who doesn't believe that is going well. Fuck it, I'm distraught because that is the end. That yeah. is the the try not to breathe. There is nothing else. I I that person's world has disappeared. Mate, I, look, I, look. But either way, this Jesus look, he, look. Here's the thing, right?
0: I, and I, I think I'd, I'd maybe I thought I wouldn't talk about this because I thought it might be a bit much. But my, fuck it, we'll, and if it is, we'll just cut it out. Okay. But look. I am at the end of, well, I'm at the beginning of one journey, but mm. I'm at, very much at the end of another fucking journey, which started for me a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And you know, you, that talk about fucking trying to deal with loss, and you know, yeah, you, I mean, like, I look, I, 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 I look for if you listen to the podcast, you don't know, I lost a daughter in, like, in, in basically in stillbirth, full term. She was a person. We had. We we buried her, we registered her, and it fucking just destroyed Destroyed, me. Just destroyed me. Absolutely fucked me, man. Like absolutely. And this, you know, this was four years ago, and now I'm at the end of a a different process. My daughter's born, Mm -hmm. and like, so this is so acutely how I feel at the moment. Right. So acutely feel from from that process of trying to process this fucking just unprocessable grief and understanding and trying to go just you know because i'm not a believer i'm not a mm-hmm. religious person i don't have that crutch to, to stand on yeah. and trying to process it in a scientific way that made it palatable with a level of spiritualism in it as well and mm-hmm. trying to work out to do that whilst everything all your other emotions scream at you and everything fucking like just it just There's wants to bring you down you, yeah. and i and been able, you know, because I've just had to find myself because I've been in, you know, the same settings. I've been in the delivery rooms. I've been in the the place, the ex- like the, the parallels are so... right. Having to find the places to be in these places and go through this fucking pregnancy and lockdown and all the fears yeah, that fucking yeah. come along that. And now to be at the end of it and to be feeling this light at the end of the tunnel. This sweetness. And, yeah, this sweetness. And I, I guess... You know, right, this, that's nice though. That this is
1: why all of this stuff is talking to me in the way it is at the moment. Of course it is. I hadn't thought of that, but of course it is. Yeah. Whenever, you, whenever you say it out loud, of course that is what this song is to you. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's
0: you know, it's yeah. you know, and that's uh, and this is the thing, you know, that whole thing about sweetness follows. You know, I mean, fuck me, I would do anything to to trade those experiences, you know, and like, mm-hmm. for that not to have been the case. But you can't do that. Nope. And you know, whilst this feeling that I have now doesn't get rid of the other things what what it does make me do is it makes me go i have to appreciate this right okay. life is fucking unfair and life is shitty and life is horrible and it's full of lows but you have no choice but to accept the lows but when mm-hmm. the highs come, you owe it to yourself to appreciate the fucking things that you've got right. when you've got them. Yeah, and that's, that's absolutely. And that's why I am so Don't take anything for granted. fucking happy at the moment. And that's why that's awesome. I've been so scared of digging <laughs> into this bastard record. Yeah, yeah, anyway.
1: exactly. That's true. There, there's uh, there's so much in this song that, that whenever you put it like that, they go, oh, fucking hell, that's... that's where you are where you've been or yeah. what you've seen yeah, yeah man. it's been, me yeah this
0: is a, it's been a, a, this has been a hard listen
1: there's a, a, a lyric that I picked out because I just think it's lovely I think it's great um, it's these little things they can pull you under live your life filled with joy and thunder yeah yeah we were all together lost in our little lives that's a great lyric you know that's one of Stipe's best on this record I think it's. it sums everything up it's great
0: Oh, now after all of that you mm-hmm. have to follow that with something else yeah okay so it's
1: track 7 indeed I suppose we're now flipping the album over so we're yeah. we've, we've finished side 1 uh, uh-huh. and we are into side 2 track number 7 which is Monty Got A Raw Deal and so this is definitely very different than what we've just had yeah. this is a step aside yes indeed
0: yeah. and I, I think this is very pretty Hmm. but I think it's very lightweight
1: okay sure in comparison On comparison and and
0: I in comparison and uh, this song fits very nicely into the flow of the record Mm -hmm. don't have any real problem with it but at the same time I don't connect with this or feel it's quite as complete as the rest.
1: This feels like sure album track. Uh, yeah, and this would have been another one if you'd said to me, oh, do you remember Monty got a raw deal from the album? I would have gone, I know the title, but yeah. I could not tell you a thing about the song. Uh, whenever I got, went back to it, I was like, oh yeah, I remember this, of course I do.
0: I almost think, right, you could maybe lose this track. Oh, yes. Yeah. I don't I mean, know, because I think because you go from here mm-hmm. into Ignore Land, which is the next track, mm-hmm. which is an, obviously another very deliberately placed mood change. Yes, it is. And whether you go, uh, and I'm not sure whether you can go directly from Sweetness Follows into Ignore Land right. without a palate cleanser in the middle.
1: Sure. I mean, okay, if you said to me, here's a 12-track album, mm-hmm. if I'm, you know, head of Warners, and I'm presented with this album, for, for whatever reason, someone says, we can't have 12 tracks, it has to be 10. Yeah. It has to be, there's no going around this, yep. and you've got to lose two. Yes, this would probably be one of the ones I would lose. Yes. Absolutely. But I do, I think it's nice. I think it is, Um, it is very pretty, like you say, the, the bit in the chorus where it just has that kind of picked mandolin, yep. do,
0: do, do, do,
1: that bit, I think that's very nice. It, mm-hmm. it sounds really sweet. Um, I like the subject matter. I knew nothing about Montgomery Clift, the person who they're talking about. Um, But it's an interesting story. He was an actor from the 50s, uh, was uh, very big. He was in From Here to Eternity, lots of Mm -hmm. big, big things. Uh, Very, very handsome, uh, but uh, was also vastly rumoured to be a gay man in uh, in a time that you're not allowed to be. Mm -hmm. And so the rumours abounded and there was a lot of intrusion into his private life he was a very private person didn't want that and then he was in a car accident which he in which he was disfigured yeah. and was on prescription painkillers mm-hmm. uh, until he died 10 years later yeah of you know complications from being addicted to prescription painkillers so i think it is uh, an interesting story and like you know it's a nice little it is an album track you're absolutely right it's an album filler but I think, it's, I think it's very nice.
0: Yeah, and, you know, there's more depth in it than anything on fucking some of the albums we've listened to. Totally, <laughs> totally.
1: And because there are the parallels between this guy and Michael Stipe, you know, at this point there were so many rumours about Michael Stipe being gay and uh, of having AIDS. Yeah. And because he was losing his hair at this time, he was going bald, and all the videos he's wearing a hat yeah. of difference, where he's got a variety of hats, and... Uh, and then he shaved his head towards the end of this uh, album campaign, yeah. and people were like, "Oh yeah, he's got AIDS, he's dying." Yeah, and so there's obviously comparisons between him and, and Montgomery Clift, and Stipe is a very private person, had no interest in being this public person. You know
0: so yeah, it's you know, it, it, it's fine. I think it fits. It's, it's uh, you know, uh, on a on a different album, it'd be. It'd be A better track probably, you know, that's maybe so. Indeed. It sits in it sits in high company. Anyway, so well, let's leave that there. Yep. And let's have a listen to the
1: uh singles. The singles. Okay, so let's do this. Right, top ten singles of this week. Once again, just a reminder: October fourth to the tenth, nineteen ninety-two.
0: What we should mention here, yes, this album was actually number one in the UK four on four separate occasions.
1: Yes, it was indeed. Yes, it kept going back up. Yeah,
0: but we're we're dealing with the first the first one, one,
1: indeed. Yes, indeed. So yeah, number ten is uh, Mike Oldfield, uh, Sentinel. Yeah. which was track one on that album, on Jubilee Bells 2, which indeed. we did on uh, our last and it, episode. And it can
0: be found on our Best of the 90s uh, yes,
1: playlist it can. on yes. Spotify. Check that uh, shit out. Uh, number nine, and I'll play this. I have selected the, the single version, because there's a big, long intro on the, the album. One. But let's see if you get this.
0: This is uh, My Name is Prince and
1: I'm my, Funky. Nah, damn right it is. Prince, My Name is Prince.
0: And then it wasn't. Well, quite.
1: <laughs> yeah, so this got to number... Well, I don't know if it got to number nine, but it's number nine this week. It might have yeah. got higher. Uh, number eight is Lionel Richie with My Destiny. Couldn't fucking tell you. Nope. Not a clue. Number seven... <laughs>
0: Remember this? Yeah, I do. Oh, what is it? Um...
1: This was a big deal. This was, this was
0: a this was on a this was a this was the title track of something as well, wasn't it? No, like so. I don't think so. Iron like a lion in Zion.
1: There you go. Yeah. Iron in lion, lion, Zion. Zion. Yeah. yeah. It was the
0: undiscovered Bob Marley track. Perception, yeah, it was yeah. one
1: they'd uncovered from the vaults. Yeah. And uh, released, you know, twelve years after he died. Um on a side, you, you know Radio 2's Pop Master quiz yes. every, they do every morning. I listen to the podcast of that yeah. and catch up on that. Um, one of the questions, and I think the person must have done it wrong whenever they wrote this, we went, oh, fuck, I've, I've fucked that question up. Because it was, uh, Bob Marley released a single in 1992. Uh, can you name it from these lyrics? And then he read out the lyrics, I'm going to be iron like a lion in Zion. And the, per, oh, the person went, well, iron, lion, Zion. He went... Correct. <laughs> like, mate, you you just entirely giving that away. Brilliant. Fucking ridiculous. Uh, number six is Bizarre Ink, I'm going to get you. Uh, oh, I, I remember that one. I couldn't get... Uh, it's not. There's not an original version on Spotify. Okay. I couldn't be arsed. Uh, number five, Undercover Baker Street, which we <sighs> had uh, before. Number four, I bet you know this straight away. It's a fucking classic.
0: It's, hang on. No it's, it's massive swing beat.
1: Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's boys to Men, isn't it?
0: It is boys um, to Men, like, absolutely. i to what the... will there... oh, make love to you or something.
1: No, no, the other one. The other oh, big, big one.
0: Old, no, it's, um... Fucking cool,
1: man. And now we've come Uh, to
0: the end of the road.
1: End of the road.
0: (laughs) Sorry, I had a fucking massive mental (laughs) block.
1: Oh, I think I remember that at the time, and I remember thinking it was fucking dog shit. I hated it. I thought it was sappy, bad R and B nonsense. No, I'm like, it's that's all right. It's fun. I did a
0: whole set of this stuff at one of your birthdays. I know. Yeah, and I played that song. Yeah.
1: It's it's a fun song It's not a fun song It's a a classic of its time I
0: played the Fresh Prince uh, theme theme tune And it was like I don't think anyone had heard it in a club for ages
1: Well no and also no one realised there was a second verse Because everyone was going mental Singing along for the first verse And then there was more And everyone was like Ah Lost Yeah Uh, Right so that was number four Number three I'm like I really liked this song at the time Even though It is a bit bit duff
0: Oh, I was
1: fucking there. Uh, yeah, uh Tasman Archer well, Yes. It? I really like this. I think this is a really catchy tune. Did she have a bond
0: thing? No. No, she nah, didn't. No,
1: no, no. She had no, she two did. two or three singles total and then just disappeared. Uh and then number two is Dr. Alban, It's My Life, which we've had. Mm-hmm. And number one, I remember saying about this in the last podcast. Oh, I think this got to number one at one point, The Shame and are good. Yeah. Okay. So that's your number one. That's top ten. Uh other singles in the three weeks. Right. Uh, we've mentioned this. We mentioned the, the band.
0: Prodigy. Yep.
1: Remember which one this is?
0: Yeah, this is um everybody in place? Nope. No, it's um hang on. have
1: got to number eleven, this one. Double A side, to be honest. Fire! There you go. Now, fire. Uh, so yeah that got to number 11 um, this one got to number 15 in in this time period it had been out for ages and I think this was the first single of theirs that I bought
0: oh, fair enough yeah yeah uh, I love this song man Pearl Jam I love it yeah Pearl Jam Jeremy I this is a song that, like, him, and the, him just looking fucking evil and handsome in the video I oh, know,
1: little yeah. bastard uh, it was one of the ones because I had heard Alive and I really liked it yeah. but never got around to buying it And then this came out and I went, actually, this is fucking a banger, so I bought the 12-inch of this. So good. Such a good song.
0: With him on time. I've been listening to a bit yeah, of listen. recent Pearl Jam. Lately. Oh, yeah, they had a uh, newish that, album. That, that fucking, uh, yeah, the, the new album actually is pretty decent, yeah. I think. And that uh, version of Love, Raino, and Me that they released over Christmas last oh, year. Oh, you said, yeah. The, I really like that.
1: Fair enough. Uh, all right, there's f- number 15. Number 17, this got to. And I mean, you'll know the band, I'm pretty sure, but you might not get the song. One of the, one of the bands I thought you might have liked, but turns out you don't.
0: I remembered it. I recognised
1: this. Oh, it was a big. I mean, again, in any indie club you would have gone to, this was a, a dance floor filler at the time. I quite like that. I new band. That. They were a new band at the time.
0: Oh, it's fucking suede. Yes, it is. I fucking hate suede. That's <laughs> what
1: quite like that riff. Oh, I fucking hate Swade. No, no, I don't. I, no, I, don't, no, I
0: hated Swade. Right? I, oh, I see. I, I, the my I had, right, is I had this absolute revulsion to Brett Anderson's voice. Right. Like, and that was the fucking killer. And it no, it, 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 put me off listening to it. away from it. And I also had this real hate relationship with Enemy and the bands that the Enemy. Yeah pumped at that time because it was because in my mind they were ignoring this huge fucking seam of great fucking music and they were very dismissive about a lot of stuff that I really liked because Mm -hmm. it was it was too fucking muscular uh, and it was you know and it was it it didn't fit with their kind of fey skinny fucking well, no, of course. Cocaine. And, and... This
1: this is uh, Metal Mickey. So this is their second yeah. single. Um, but even before their first single, The Joiners, Melody Maker famously had put Brett Anderson on the cover and said, this is the best new band in Britain. Yeah. Before any, they'd released anything. And the, you're absolutely right. They were putting out a stall along those lines. And if you are this, if, if you were going, well, why aren't you listening to any of this? I can see why you'd be all right. Fuck these guys, then. yeah, for yeah, for sure. I think it's it is a very catchy tune.
0: I think Burr uh, Butler's a fucking great guitarist. Yeah, yeah, and I think there's some really good stuff. I I have mellowed somewhat towards okay. them, right, but I still don't care for them. Now,
1: fine, fine, uh, right. So that got to number seventeen. Uh, number eighteen. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Big um,
0: tune. Yeah, I love this tune, man. Stereo. St- <laughs> fuck it. <laughs> I'm not gonna tell that story. Um, a mate of mine, I A mate of mine. The guy from Stereo MCs, right? Mm-hmm. That was not an attractive man.
1: No, he was not. Rob, something. Yeah, he no.
0: was not an attractive man. No. And, uh, uh I had a pal at the time who wore dungarees and was quite a big set, fucking dude. But muscular, not fucking right. fat, right? And I remember he was, he was uh, on tour with his band and he was in a chip shop in Wales. Some bloke tapped him on the shoulder and went, Stereo MCs, isn't it? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, never been so <laughs> insulted in my life.
1: That would hurt. Yeah. <laughs> that would hurt. Yeah. Stereo MCs, isn't it? isn't it? All right. So, yeah, Stereo, that was connected. Yeah. Uh, got to number 18. That was their best song. I prefer Creation. Mm. I think Creation has a bit more balls to it. Uh, this one we talked about this. We were like, oh, did this come out this year, or was it released in the UK this year? Did it get a release? Uh, got to number thirty-two. So I'm assuming I've put it in because this is the highest that it got to.
0: Dun, 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 dun. So yes, oh, are we asking this. I mean, we well, got to say it. Oh, House of Pain, jump around. Thank you. Pain.
1: Exactly. You can't just let it go. Uh, yeah, that got the number thirty-two, and I'm assuming that is the highest that it got to. Well, Otherwise, that otherwise, it's odd. It must. It is. I mean, I mean if, it, if it comes up again next year, I will, I will say that it, I was we'll wrong. Remember
0: but... that hip hop, hip hop, wasn't really doing numbers in the UK at this time. No, it just
1: simply no, was Like we we saw already that uh, Naughty by Nature's OPP got to number seventy or something. And this is the
0: thing, like when we talk about hip hop with younger people, mm. right? Like you know, you got that guy that runs a hip hop night that you do. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think there's this kind of perception amongst uh, kind of like young know, people that hip-hop was really massive in the UK in the 90s. Ah, right, okay. And it fucking wasn't. You well, definitely not in 92. to search for it.
1: Yeah, not not. Yeah, I mean, not,
0: yeah, once we hit the Jiggy era, once we started hitting Jay-Z yes. and yeah. stuff like that, then yes, you did. But, yeah. I mean, you weren't. You, you couldn't find the Souls of Mischief album not on import in the UK, you yeah. know? Cypress Hill, Onyx, stuff like that, you could find it. but
1: Well, I mean, the, the second Cypress Hill album was a little bit of a kind of a knock-in-the-door-down because... Once yeah. insane, the brain was out. I think other hip hop got noticed a bit more. Yeah, but no, in '92, no one was no one was buying it in the numbers it that needed to be. It was
0: hard to find. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, right, so that got to number thirty-two. This one only got to number seventy-three. Mm-hmm. But come on, you said you were listening to uh, uh, these yeah. at the time. Mouth for war, mouth for war, Pantera. Yeah.
0: I mean, what a shame he's a fucking horrible racist, isn't, isn't it? it?
1: That's gutting. Yeah, but what a fucking tune, mate. What a tune. So again, you know, those are some strong singles going on there. My Thrower, Jump Around, Connected, which was a a big tune. And it also, Connected was one of those ones, my mum loved that tune at the time. Wow, She loved Connected. It, It wasn't this obscure dance band. It was a big chart hit.
0: Big shout out to Mrs. Greer.
1: Ah, yes, to my mum, Nora.
0: Yeah, thank you, Nora. And, uh, I mean, you, th- there will be a card in the post for you soon once I've got my admin shit together. But thank you very much for oh, bless the you. lovely things you sent to my daughter.
1: No no problem. She was very chuffed to hear about it all. Uh, but, yeah, there you go. Strong strong week out, or strong three weeks. Prodigy, Pearl Jam, Suede, House of Payne, Pantera. I- I'm happy with that. I think that's good.
0: Yeah, but, I'm very happy with that.
1: Right, uh, let's get back into the last... Bit of this album there. Okay, lovely. So, yes, track eight we're at, Ignore Land. Okay, so this is the upbeat
0: kind of on the nose political stomper yeah definitely this and is angry
1: Michael stomp. it's angry it's much more obviously angry and abrasive than yeah. anything we've had so far on this album
0: it's a much needed pace change on the record mm-hmm. to keep the record alive I guess mm-hmm. um you know it's got a, got a good pace and rhythm to it I mean in I think in terms of political anger yeah I uh, I think ignore Land suffered for me at the time, and probably still does, in terms of if political anger to me looked more like fuck the police and oh, okay. fight the power. Right, right, I
1: see. Okay, sure. Like
0: protest. You know, the kind of uh, the, the days of the uh, of the Bob Dylan protest song uh, were kind of you know had been replaced for me by a more upfront. The fury, yeah, visceral right. kind of reaction.
1: Okay, I see that, but then again, you can't imagine Stipe doing that. This, this is as angry as I think he gets. No, I mean,
0: well, yeah, I mean, he got he got
1: KRS one in on the last record, but that mm. didn't end so well. <laughs> yeah, I, you're right that this is it's not as it's not as cathartic as some of those songs because those are just anger fury. But I think this is uh, terrific. I think this is so well done in terms of. How he's saying it, how he's putting it across. He's so obviously angry uh, in terms of the lyrics. Uh, and there's an emotion that I can't fault. And there's an emotion behind it that I think is pure and visceral in that way. I think it's brilliant.
0: Sure. I i, I don't think this one quite connects with me. Sure. I, I, I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I like the intent of it. And I like where it sits. And, I, and I'm not going to skip it. Right. But- uh, again, you know, I'm. I think I'm coming from the place that this comes out in and around the weeks that Rage Against the Machines' first album sure. comes out. Yeah, and you know, we to- if we're talking about political polemic, I guess that's kind of where oh, the- I fine. And th- I find it difficult to see past that.
1: Okay, I mean, this is the more highbrow intellectual. Version of anything like that. This and, is,
0: and you've known me for long enough to know that I am scum.
1: Oh, much worse than scum. M- worse, worse than scum. Absolutely, I agree with you on one thing that I don't think at the time this resonated with me anyway at all mm. because it's all about American politics, and I knew nothing about American politics. Yeah. And I knew no, none of the reference points they were talking about. You know, he references um, the the stuff that Reagan and Bush and the trickle down economics and this sort of thing. Mm. I had no idea. These days, I know more about the history of things like that. I can pick out what he's trying to say and why he's saying it this way. Yeah. But no, at the time, I didn't get that bit at all. At the time, I probably thought, this is a, 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 an okay tune. It's a bit more upbeat. It's a bit more of a rocker. Yeah. And that's, it was totally surface for me. Mm. But I think, it, I think it's... Now I get more out of it. Definitely. Fair enough. And, I mean, yeah. you know,
0: and I completely appreciate the intent of it. I appreciate the fact that it's authentic to, mm-hmm. to, to them, uh, and that it's something that's important to them and, you know, comes from a, the best place. Yeah. Uh, in terms of how it connects with me, I find... Particularly. Uh, yeah, I find that kind of brand... Of, it, it feels a bit Guardian activist. Oh, yeah, well, well that's which, the,
1: the route they would be going. Yeah, yeah and, of course. And,
0: and that has always felt ineffective to me. It's always felt a bit Judean people's front.
1: All right. There's a couple of lines in this that I really like. There's one of them... Uh, I mean, there's, there's there's bits in the middle where he's just talking about uh, the media reporting stuff badly and the president's being a twat um but then at the end the very last bit he says i know this is vitriol no solution spleen venting but i feel better having screamed don't you i, yeah. I, I, I and, like and he's that admitting. My, and
0: that is my favorite part of it the way yeah. that he that it's you know it's got that little meta layer on it where mm-hmm. it's like uh you know this is you know maybe i, a bit I
1: know there's no difference i'm making in this but I just need to fucking scream. Yeah. Yeah, I, I like that. Um, Pitchfork called this the most seething, spiteful track R.E.M. ever produced. Hmm. And I wouldn't know the rest of R.E.M.'s output as well, so I can only imagine that maybe so.
0: Yeah. yeah. Fair enough.
1: No, okay. But, uh, yeah, no, it's exactly. It's one of those ones that washes over me, and I wouldn't put onto any compilations I was doing. But I'm, I'm going
0: to say to you, though, I've been angrier at meals I've enjoyed. <laughs>
1: It's the wrong sort of barbecue sauce. but <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just quite an angry person. <laughs> quite. Uh, all right, then. So, number nine, then? Yeah. Star Kitten. Yeah, Star Me Kitten, uh, where the word star is uh, in place of the word fuck. Yes, it is. Um, I read that they changed it on the advice of Meg Ryan
0: yes they did I read that as
1: well (laughs) it's an interesting little I I quite (laughs) like
0: the the thing it's like okay this is going to stop someone getting it because they won't be able to buy it from
1: Kmart like, or whatever yeah, it's Walmart.
0: somewhere in the Midwest yeah, yeah. Like that. so this is quite sketchy quite lo-fi yes yes um, I mean it's open to interpretations obviously I've kind of read it as about a failing relationship where okay, yeah. kind of all that's left is this kind of disconnected sex at the back end of it no, at the back end eh? Eh, oh, hey, the okay. so like you know the whole thing about where you're po- picking through a house fire trying to pick up the bits that are still salvageable okay you know where like you kind of there's a, an inevitable fatalism on both sides but you're like ah fuck it we're here we might as well
1: i see all right do you know what yeah, i mean that's, that's nice. how i've
0: taken to it um but I, I really you know i really like this it's it's a very different feel to the rest of the stuff on the record it's, it's not sounds
1: as, different yeah
0: yeah it's it's a lot less on the nose than the previous mm-hmm. uh, song and it sounds like a band you know kind of experimenting and having fun mm-hmm. with a different a different sound and coming up with something that is, you know, pleasing and interesting.
1: Absolutely, I, I definitely know that at the time I didn't pick up on this, but the first thing I thought whenever I listened to it for this was like, fuck, that sounds like Ten CCS. I'm not in love. Oh, okay. Uh, that the vocal thing they've done with the sample, like the vocal like six vocals and put them together and stuff like that, ah, uh, in the background. Mm-hmm. I was like, fucking, that sounds like I'm not in love. And then again, reading through it, that is exactly what it was. Um, in the studio, uh, Mike Mills. Was talking to Scott Litt, who produced, well, produced Out of Time and this album, and he said, Oh, I love that sound that they have on Not Enough 10cc. And Scott Litt went, I reckon we could do something like that. Let's try. And so recorded Mill's voice, put it through a sampler, mm-hmm. used that as the bed of this song. Yeah. And that's what it just was like, Oh, let's see if we can do that too. And really? it, it, I think it works really well. I think it's. Yeah, lovely. I really like it. I really like it. It gives it a bit more, again, of a, a dreamy quality, a bit otherworldly, a bit off kilter, because it's a uh, bit sort of strange coming out of a, a a weird cheese dream
0: and look there's there's a reason why greatest hits albums aren't great albums right sure there is a time and a place for a greatest hits album and i love it you know mm-hmm. and you know for a lot of my favorite artists i've got uh spotify soundtracks of my favorite songs Absolutely, theirs, yeah, yeah, right but when you hear hit after hit after hit they become somewhat diminished, I think, sometimes. So the best thing about the album as a format is when you've got these little textures and you've got these little brushstrokes that people put in and go, oh, now we're going to do this. And, you know, you're not going to listen to this track as a single, probably. It's probably not going on a lot of compilations or whatever. But here, sitting between this track and Man on the Moon, it works really, really well. Totally, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, you're processing thoughts of a song and then this and that's what i like i like the journey the journey that this record takes you on fine and and i like the fact that it's been considered
1: no yes absolutely absolutely and there are lots of different little avenues they try Mm -hmm. yeah i'm just thinking about greatest hits albums i'm pretty sure i read somewhere that whenever the first rem greatest hits album came out, which would have been let's say maybe 96 or 97 Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't include drive why didn't put it on there no idea. Um, I think it was maybe because they get six singles off this one and they put three of the other ones or four of the other ones on, but we're going to have to not do one of them. Jesus. But, yeah, fuck me. Imagine not putting Drive. Imagine Drive not making your greatest hits. That's crazy, yeah, is uh, Right, okay. I'm good with that one. It's all very nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we're into number track number 10, which is Man on the Moon. Okay, biggest
0: single probably in this
1: one uh, it wasn't the highest charting it was the second single right. after Drive so it was the one that the record company probably went ok you've done your thing you've had Drive now we need one with a big single on chorus yeah. uh, but no it wasn't uh, the highest charting one. oh ok yeah, yeah, yeah. did you, did you uh, read the, the thing about the yeah 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 bits in this no alright um well, this song apparently was one of the first ones that the band had recorded, because they recorded all of these songs without Stipe. Yeah. They, they had all the demos done, and then they give them to Stipe. And this was one of the first ones they had finished, but it was also one of the ones that was the last to be completed totally, because Michael Stipe was like, I am out of ideas. I have no more lyrics to give you. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you release this as an instrumental? It's fine. It's good in an instrumental. But the band were like, no, we want you to be part of it, so please write some, some words. And there was about a week left before the deadline the record company had given them and uh, he went out on a walk for a couple of days came back with these lyrics which are very stream of consciousness in parts but he's like this is what I've got what do you think the band were like perfect do it they recorded it uh, and finished it on the day that they handed the masters to the record company so it was so last minute. Yeah. But one of the other things he, he did with the lyrics in this one is he had made friends with Kurt Cobain at the time and had taken a piss out of him for the amount of years that Cobain put in a lot of his songs. Right. And he said, I'll tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna write a song with more fucking years than you. Right. And this is it. Nirvana's lithium has forty-two years. Yeah. Which was the one that Stipe took a piss out of him. This is fifty-six. Nice. Yeah, so he beat him. <laughs> He's like, he beat, beat him on the years. But, and, yeah, you know, by not killing himself. Well, quite, indeed, win, win, win. And this is very strange subject matter, let's face it, you know, to do a song about ostensibly Andy Kaufman. Yeah, I mean... I, I even mean, though I, it's not about Andy Kaufman. It,
0: it, it, it asks a lot of questions. You know, this is a song, you know, if, if you go through, if you Google what is this song about, mm-hmm. right, because you know, I often do, I've kind of come up what I do, and I'll have a look at what other people. This is a song with a lot of people interpreting very different ways. For
1: sure, right? yeah. For me,
0: this is a song about it asks questions about perceptions.
1: Okay, right?
0: it, it 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 sets himself in a nostalgic place. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of you know puts himself removes himself like 15 20 years to when he's a younger person sure.
1: right watching kaufman you on know, telly yeah gives yeah. G-
0: gives the references of that frames kaufman as the central piece and then he's asking questions about perception and i think there is a prevailing narrative around possibly loss of innocence and questioning the prevailing narrative that society is giving you. Sure, okay. Um, and you know, it's uh, and that's that's what I take from it. You know, because you know, obviously, Kaufman was very much about twisting. You know, is he on? Is he off?
1: Yes. Yeah. Is this a joke or is he serious? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah.
0: And I mean, I genuinely hope there's not a real question about the moon landing conspiracy no, theory but on here. I think it but- ties
1: in with the. Uh, if you believe there's question, it is question everything. It's like, exactly. Is what you think real? Is it actually real? Yeah.
0: But it's, you know, it's got a fucking fantastic hook to it. And it really, it's got everything that a good REM ought to have, you could, you know, on one level, you can just enjoy the hook and the Mm -hmm. playing, or you can go down the rabbit hole with the lyrics. And, you know, some of which are fucking red herring, some of which aren't, you know, like you say, some of which is just a fucking stream of consciousness and a fucking thought ego, you go, you know, at the time, this song was heavily overplayed and I got very bored of
1: it. Same here, same here. But
0: enough time has passed. Now I can dig it again. I oh, yeah. yeah. See,
1: I'm not quite out the other end. I'm still right. pretty fatigued of this one. I would probably skip this on a listen through. Uh, see, I don't think and, I would. And I don't think it's a bad song at all. But for me, this is one I'm going, yeah, I, I don't need this again. Okay. It's a great song. It is, like you said, it's catchy as fuck. But it is by far the most chorus. familiar song on the record. Yeah, I'd say so. Because it was everywhere. It was the second single, and therefore, it, and because it was more radio-friendly than Drive, it was pushed very hard. Yeah, but that's hard. what
0: I'm saying. I, that's what I, I mean, I bet if you look at the total sales of the singles, I bet it sold more
1: singles. Oh, see what you mean? Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, I, I just know play, chart placings on this one, yeah. Sure. So... That was single number two. Yep. Track 11, Night Swimming, was the fifth single.
0: I mean, I should reference this point. Um, uh, the guy's at 1,000 albums on Twitter. Yes, yes. Uh, you guys should check out, actually. They're publishing, uh, they're publishing 1,000 albums from the 90s that you should listen to. Yeah,
1: yeah. They're basically going through the, what they think, like the, their top 1,000 records from that decade are one a day. Nice. And they have got some taste.
0: They certainly have. Yeah. I mean, my taste. In well, a lot they of have very
1: much your taste. I, I messaged you the other day because they did two in one day, which was Mad Season and Souls of Mischief. And yeah. I just went, Dave, is this you? <laughs> fair <laughs> deal. Yeah, but they
0: got in touch about this. They said, like, the piano melody for Night is one of those absolutely perfect things. The kind of thing that makes you wonder how it wasn't plucked from the ether by Lennon McCartney 30 years earlier. I think that's entirely fair. And that's, I think that's absolutely fair. Really, really spot on. That's the thing about Night swimming it's the piano melody is gorgeous as yeah. fuck man
1: alright so let's start this well, okay.
0: well, just while we we're on the Twitter subject thank you for, for the guys that did get in contact via Twitter Mike Collins as well was in contact with us via Twitter ah, as well yes. thank you Mike yeah a big fan of the podcast Mike Collins mm-hmm. we're a big fan of Mike Collins oh, absolutely mate uh, yeah was already a big fan but hearing and seeing a video for Drive had me really excited for the album incredible record which amazingly they bettered two albums later that's a controversial point
1: well it's, I, it's, it's a wrong point I mean
0: I think it is a wrong point what, what was the one two albums. It wasn't monster. No, it was would it? Have
1: been up or reveal? Uh, up maybe. I can't remember. But yeah, but okay. It's not better than this.
0: I, I don't think. I, th- I think this is well. I'm not spoilers, but uh
1: yeah,
0: yeah. The one in between is Magic Two. What a band. Yeah, but fuck it, man. We're, we're not. We're not arguing with the overall point that no, this is a fucking not. great album by no. a great band, um and we respect your opinion greatly, even when it's wrong.
1: Yes, absolutely. Please don't stop listening to us just because you're wrong. That's yeah. fine. Um Alright, so yeah, let's let's put night swimming on. So this is track eleven, like I say, and it is the it was the fifth single off the album. And again I've got my seven inch of this with me. Nice Night Swimming.
0: That's a much better cover. Yeah. Night Swimming. And this song,
1: it kinda is just the piano, that piano riff, which mm-hmm. goes round and round and round, stipes vocals, some strings, again the John Paul Jones string arrangements, and then some sort of Weird uh, bagpipey thing, not bagpipe some pipe, some some pipe thing towards the end, but it's such a simple, simple song, yeah. and I think this is fucking incredible.
0: And you know, when you look at the story, you know, I mean, it's it's basically the story from the lyric is he's looking at a photo of something that's happened about you know, it's a memory of an exhilarating skinny dipping experience.
1: His yeah. teen years when they would do this, yeah.
0: and it's you know, it's the uh, it's the perfect memory of an exhilarating experience told through the reflective tone of an older, more settled person looking mm-hmm. back and going that moment, that was a defining. And, you know, that going, okay, well, days become more mundane days, mm-hmm. days, life happens, but we have those fucking moments and we remember those moments. Yes. And it's, and that's almost, it almost harks back, you know, it's, it's got a shared theme there when you, you know, when you when you talk about uh, you know kind of sweetness follows, mm-hmm. you know those are the moments.
1: I see. Those, all right, those remember the, these. Those are the
0: moments. And and I, you know, I do that. I you know I look at photo. I look at fucking weird photos, and, and, and you know you're in a lot of them, funnily enough. know <laughs> just sh- weird shit we did in our kind of teens and our twenties and yeah, shit yeah. like that. And I and I go, oh fuck, I don't really do shit like that anymore. But oh feels good to be alive okay felt good to be alive there's more of that stuff
1: to come right i see you know you are on a much more positive tip to for this song than i am right? because my take on it is it's a guy going fuck i wish i could do this again i my life has now just become dumb dull and boring and Wasn't it fucking brilliant whenever we were young and innocent and all we had to do was go swimming with your mates?
0: But I I think you don't, I think you can reflect back on those times and be like, those are brilliant and they don't, they're not necessarily over. No, absolutely. You can always find those times, but but you have to remember them first in order to seek them out again. Right.
1: Yes. That's what you're taking from it. I don't get that from this song. I get that it's a guy who's like, well, the best bits of my life are now done. I, I had such a good time. I loved them. What a shame that's over.
0: Oh, see, I don't feel that from that side. I say I'd... I can see why you would, but I think when you put it in context of Michael Stipe and their trajectory and all of those things, mm. I don't, uh, it doesn't ring as true to me. No. As, as my interpretation. I which see is better and right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get this. <laughs>
1: It's like, you know, the, 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 I love the minutiae as well of the descriptions. Yeah. Uh, that they evoke the big feelings from small things like the photograph on the dashboard turned around backwards to the windshield show. So it's like yeah. just showing the world this great time. I'm not sure all these people understand. It's not like years ago, the fear of getting caught of recklessness and water. It's just such a beautifully evocative image. Yeah. Um, but for me, it is. And that was then. I see, I think I I, 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 don't, I, don't, I think I I don't get a hope from it. I see,
0: I think you can I think you can reflect on the recklessness and the wildness of youth, and understand that you're glad you did those things in that context, hmm. and understand that it would be inappropriate to do those same things now, but understand there's a richness in where you are. Right now, as well, right. and, I th- and, I, and so I don't think that you have to look back on those memories and be like, Oh, that's over.
1: Oh, no, I don't think you have to at all, but I think this song is. Mm. T- hey, listeners, get in contact. Which, yeah, which, yeah, which, what which way think. do you go? L-
0: L- L- what do you think? I mean, you know, L- I mean, L- I, you know, L- may- L- maybe I'm looking through my fucking rose tinted glasses because I'm a happy man at the moment, th- but who knows? Indeed.
1: This is it. This is one of the ones I don't see. A hopeful message. I see it as a lovely message. I think it is beautifully nostalgic, and it is. This is like watching the wonder years, you know, yeah. going, "Oh, that looks so cool." This is that to me, but I don't get the coda of, "But hey, it's still good now, isn't it?" I don't get that.
0: I see. I feel. I feel that from it. I,
1: you know. Right. Anyway, fair play. Okay. Well, right. we're nearly at the end. So yeah, the last track is "Find the River." And this was the one that was the sixth and last single.
0: Have you got the... Now, I'm going to wonder if you've got the same note about the way this song starts that I have.
1: Uh, I don't think I've got anything particular about the the, the mu- musical. Oh, that reminded me of something, but I don't know what it is.
0: Uh, Lisa Loeb,
1: Stay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it is, actually. That's exactly right. what it is. Okay. You say... <laughs> uh, I see. Uh.
0: And then this bit... Gives me a bit of that. Um, what was that fucking uh, Rod Stewart song that they Sailing? used on? No, they used on um, The Office.
1: Oh, the handbags, handbags, handbags and handbags. That one, yeah. right? Yeah, that's that it, that's me a, what you mean.
0: And again, I think that you know this song. Again, it's life is hard.
1: Yep, about but, mortality, death, circle of life. But
0: told in a beautifully poetic it's way. Gorgeous, absolutely, yeah. Uplifting, poignant. Yeah. Not that's, the album's best moment, but. <laughs> a wonderful coda to the end of Isn't the it. record it's
1: a beautiful final song yeah yes. I think
0: perfectly Yeah, P- there's not a record there's nothing on here that would fit at the end better as well no no Isn't indeed a fucking melody got to be my
1: way. just gorgeous yeah. Yeah. brilliant and the, the so the lyric the find the river it's about rivers having to reach the ocean to be the end of their journey yeah and so you know you're saying that as well that's the end of life it's that when they stop being a river they become the ocean but it's part of something bigger and it's just something that everyone has to do mm-hmm. it's like you have no choice rivers have no choice and this is going to happen to everyone so tell you what don't uh, don't take anything for granted try and have a, uh, try and be a good person try and have a good time but on this journey that you have no control over uh, you know, they're using words like undertoes, but you're being pulled in that direction. Yep. You will not be able to extricate yourself from the end point. Enjoy the fucking journey. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, it's a uh, go- yeah.
0: proper Goosebumps song again. Wonderful. Yeah, Love it.
1: Wonderful. Mate, wow. Okay, fucking hell. Twelve songs. Yeah. Um, you, you were about to say a minute ago, I think, that is this is your favourite R.E.M. album?
0: This is, I mean, I I say this is, this is my favorite R.E.M. album. Yeah. I say it's objectively, the best R.E.M. album I've heard. Fine, and well, I and I don't know the back catalogue. And I lost a little bit of interest after this because it was as. in different directions.
1: Same as, um, I think. Yeah, for me, because I wasn't into the band like, in the mid '80s, mm-hmm. and I wasn't, so I didn't get into them around the Document or Life's risk Pageant era. The first sort of. Era of REM I knew was out of time, in this. Yes. And f- so for me, this is my favorite by far. I think this is an incredible, almost almost perfect album. There's only a couple of things yeah. I would say are are slight missteps, and they are fucking slight when they happen. I think it's in- just incredible. And it,
0: again, this is this is a record, uh, and it, uh, you know, again, this is another reason why I'm fucking glad we've done this podcast. I mm. mean, I, I've got my reasons why my relationship slipped with this fucking First, record. Right? Of course, you do but you know if you, if you ask me my top 10 records uh, which we're going to in a few weeks yeah because this is such a fucking great year for music this album oh, is not in the conversation is ridiculous and now i'm looking at this album going this album's so fucking perfect and so uh, how is it not in the conversation right and and i'm going to have to do a lot of fucking juggling in my brain right. to work this shit out because
1: it it has to be up there it has to be one of the ones it, it affects both of us in for different reasons, but so much. I don't think there's an album, another album this year that affects me as much.
0: No, the, the thing is, right? When I think about 1992, feeling this way about music is not the way I. No, of course. I think about it, so I, you know, I, I'm drawn to the bigger fucking rockier moments, the fucking youthful exuberance. Sure, the, the big hit albums. The nights, the the fucking the things I look back to in the Night Swimming photos. That's mm-hmm. what I look back at. Okay. Right? Whereas this record fits, it feels like it fits later on in my life, right? Well,
1: look, it's a more grown up. It's, a, it's a, an fucking album for dads.
0: Hell, man, it's yeah. it's difficult to know. Man. But this, you know, it was a tough revisit. I've got to yeah. say, but I'm really fucking glad I did.
1: Good. Oh, I'm I'm glad that I'm you really you were able to get something out of it. It wasn't just a horror show for you.
0: That's life, isn't it? You mm-hmm. know, and and one of the things I like. About music is it makes me feel things and it it, it it amps up
1: mate my emotions. I'll tell you what I'm, I'm glad that you were able to do it in the last couple of weeks and we didn't do this three years ago. For example, whenever you weren't a happy man. Uh, I mean, I,
0: I wouldn't I wouldn't have been. That would be a totally don't, different thing. I would have been able process this. And you
1: would have you would have been a totally different reaction. Yeah. To the messages.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think I think you're right, yeah. um, and it's uh, you know it's kind of it's a really interesting timing for me. Yes, and Look, and yeah, look yeah, yeah. It, guys, if you turned if you tuned into this podcast expecting dick jokes <laughs> and fucking profanity like we normally do, I am deeply sorry, but I'm sure they'll return next week. Absolutely. But if this has been in any way self-indulgent, I hope you will uh, uh, forgive us. But to be fair, it's a podcast made by us and yeah. if there's nothing if that isn't self-indulgent then what the it fuck it is right no
1: indeed and mate if any of uh, anyone out there who's listening to this either totally disagrees or thinks we've got the wrong end of the stick on anything through this let us or- know or Wants to say, actually, yeah, I'm a fucking big fan. Yeah, yeah. I would love to hear other people's thoughts on this. And let, let us know, man. Like when,
0: when we get in, I mean, like, I, I, not that I think it will really change anything because we've got to go about these the way we do. But if you if you feel it like when we really get into the fucking nitty gritty of the emotions of this, because we we have gone pretty deep on this one. Oh, no, we have absolutely. Let us know if you if you like it when we do that. Or if you just prefer the dick joke. That's well, true. Yeah. Um, anyway, look, we've got to put some songs on our playlist. Indeed,
1: we do. Um, so,
0: and we and we're limited by three. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, okay. Drive goes on,
1: fine. Yeah, drive. drive. I mean, are you saying three? By the way, three, you're straight in three. three it's hard to whittle it down. So drive, no problems, absolutely perfect. Yeah. So drive. uh What would what would your next one be? We could just go singles, but I don't want to. Right. So for me,
0: for the fact that you described it as one of the most perfect songs of the '90s to you, uh, I think we should go track
1: two. was trying to breathe. I was gonna. Ha- fight for that one. I mean I've been okay. I mean I I can
0: I can see that uh, can, completely. Oh, like absolutely that.
1: incredible. Okay. I think we should
0: do that. Brilliant. And I would say uh, Sweetness Follows. Okay. Yep that would be that would be that would be my t- I mean it means we leave off night swimming but everyone's heard night swimming
1: Sure no I'm fine with that yeah I mean night swimming would have been my other one after those but I'm fine doing Sweetness Swiftsford because Swiftsford is gorgeous Yeah that works yep. for me those three totally. perfectly Totally and so in, in case anyone is unaware of what we're talking about this is our ongoing playlist where we add songs at least one, a maximum of three songs from every single album that is number one. We add uh, to a big, big playlist. It's ongoing and you can find links to our Spotify playlist on our yeah, website, yeah. etc. And
0: it's It started off
1: as a bit of a weird playlist yeah. and
0: now, Hit Random, it's pretty Uh, fucking good listen It's a good
1: shuffle. It is. It's a good shuffle. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. Whenever we did our first few episodes, we had, all right, this is Phil Collins. Okay. All right, this is The Christians. Oh, Christ. Oh, fucking this Fleetwood Mac album's a bit rubbish. And so... It was. It was a bit stilted, but neither sub-quality shit on that. Uh, yeah, and we've and we we picked the best one off yeah, every single
0: one. Yeah, and we've got a couple more playlists out there. We've got our best of grunge, we've got some other mm-hmm. bits and pieces, stuff that we've crowdsourced during lockdown. Yep. Um, and, yeah, we, I think we might do some more of those in the future, really. Yeah, just sure. But if people are listening to them, let us know. Get in contact. Follow us, let us know. All yeah, of that absolutely. kind of stuff. Absolutely. Guys, as always, we really appreciate that you listen to us. Um, please let other people know about this podcast. We saw a load of people should do some shares around podcast day. Fuck, that stuff's invaluable. We really appreciate it.
1: Whether it was that or not, we saw a real spike uh, a couple of days ago, um, apropos of not releasing anything in particular. It wasn't that we had a new uh, episode, but we had a nice little spike in numbers. People are hearing about it from somewhere. Really appreciate all of that sort of stuff that people do. Really cool.
0: Anyway, guys, uh this thank you for uh, bearing with us and we will see you next time. What's next next, next
1: album? Next uh, next top one we're doing is Prince. It's the symbol album. Oh, symbol album. I've got mm.
0: mixed memories of that. We'll see.
1: I, I've never heard it in my life. Well, we'll right.
0: we'll, we'll we'll see. Interesting. Uh, can ask can our friendship survive?
1: Interesting. Okie dokie. Wonderful. Right, guys, take care. We'll see you next time. Cheers, guys. Bye. Thank you for checking out this episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. It was produced and edited by us, for which we can only apologise. We're on Twitter, at PCL Podcast, on Instagram, also at PCL Podcast, and Facebook.com slash PCL Podcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is PCLPodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on PCLMusicPodcast at gmail.com.